Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Wise Guys is back. The number one BYU sports live stream show in the entire world. Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. How far we've come in about, what, 17 months from non-existing to being the number one live stream BYU sports talk show in the entire world. Well, we started with nothing. And, and now and, we have the and, world. And now we have something. <laughs> and it's, hey, it's thanks to all of our, our live streamers. And, I'm, I'm, you know, we're going to get the live stream up and running here. And we love when you chime in and tell us where you're at. Um, and uh, and here we go. BYU Sports Attic. First one in there. Let's go, baby. Cougar Nation. Hello. We should have a Tuesday prize. Tuesday night. Smells like football season in Farmington. <laughs> I love it. So uh, so BYU Sports Attic is the first one to chime in. And, and Newt, of course, uh Hey, hey guys, it's been a, sh- a few shows for me. So, new, we're glad to have you back. We don't yeah. know what was so important on Tuesday night the last couple of weeks, but we're <laughs> glad you're back with us. And, and, we, and the podcast, of course, is available starting tomorrow. And, and, yeah, and we're, we're really grateful you, though, for those of you that come on live that you share your uh, Tuesday night with us, and that's, and that's awesome. But you know what? We're grateful to everybody that downloads the podcast and goes back and watches the show on YouTube. And remember to follow us on YouTube. Um, and, and we'll put the link in the chat here for the YouTube follow. Hit the subscribe button. It's free. Click on the bell. And when you click on the bell, you get notifications whenever we post something new or we go live. The more subscribers we get, the longer we get to do the show. We're up to 17 months now. Let's just keep this thing rolling. Amber says, get Pitta on now. Love that dude. Amber, he's coming on he's here coming. in just a Don't few worry. minutes. Don't worry. Patience sometimes, Amber. Sometimes <laughs> we have to have a little patience. And- now go to ysguys.com and subscribe. Get our weekly email. That's all the highlights of the show, which are which are great, uh, and it's all free. And Ruthie says she loves being here with us all, and, and you know what? We love having you with us here, How Ruthie. Dr. Ketch from Vegas? Yeah, he's always shy. Dr. Ketch is... Dr. Ketch, have you ever missed a show? I don't, I don't think he, I don't think show. he's ever missed a show. We love Vegas. Hey, don't forget, we're also live on Facebook, uh, Twitch, and, and YSGuys.com. Everything you need is at YSGuys.com. Like yeah. all the links to everything that you need. Past interviews with with all the big names. We had such a great interview with Tom Homo last week. Almost two um, hours. Almost two hours. And no one gets that. But we got that. And uh, if you missed it, it's sitting right there for you at YSGuys.com. Lots of folks have gone to it and watched it after our show. We had a big audience last week. Uh, Earl says, hey, Dave Blaine. Glad hey, to have Earl. you, Earl. Earl's, Earl's always consistent with us, too. He's always on. Yeah. Uh, last so. week, so Tom last week, and then some of the interviews waiting for you at wiseguys.com. Danny Ainge, Kyle Van Noy, who's uh, waiting to mm-hmm. join a football team. He's Mark smart. Wilson. Don't, don't go to camp. Just start. Just Gary so. Scheide, John Beck, Max Hall, Jay Hill, Justin Anna, Gennaro Guilford, Sione Pua, Kelly Popinga, Fessy Sataki, Harvey Youngest, Steve Clark. They've all been on with us. Jamal Willis was outstanding. And there's so many more than that. That's just to name a few waiting for you at ysguys.com. So, and, and hey, hey, Coog dude said he just saw um, Keaton Slovis coming out of the Legacy Grill. So nice. We know and, where he's going. Yeah, and, and, and Linda Murray, I, 
She says she's been. I like how people are being transparent with us and telling us that they missed a few shows. <laughs> but I hope Linda and and uh, anybody that missed last week has had a chance to go back and at least listen yeah. to the podcast with Tom Homo because it was really really good stuff. Eric saying hi from White Plains, New York. Hey, Thank that's you. Not, not too far from where I grew up. That's I right. love it. Appreciate you having you having you with us. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, and we've got some fantastic guests. BYU football kicks off a week from Saturday. The team is practicing tonight under the lights at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That's how close we are to the to the actual thing starting off. Is when they're under the lights to get used to nighttime football because the kick on opening night is 8:15 p.m. Mountain Time, 10:15 Eastern. Yeah, and I hope it's it's cool. Um, on that night, it is this right now. It's been it's, nice today. A lot of gorgeous rain. gorgeous out there today. And I, you know what? We get so little rain in the summer. It's kind of refreshing. I'm kind of liking the rain. I like the rain. Hall of Fame tight end Dennis Pitt is going to join us in a few minutes. as uh, we'll get. He'll help us get ready for the season. So, And hey, how about the fact that, that Kenneth Rooks had a top 10 finish in the World Championships Fantastic. today? Former BYU Olympian uh, Henry Marsh, our good friend, joins us tonight to talk about that. Didn't Henry predict that he could finish in the top 10? He did. He did. And he's got all kinds of stories. But you're right. He said, I think he can finish in the top 10. We'll give you his times here coming up in just a bit because uh, he, he's, there's a long ways to go from number 10 to number one. Yeah. But there's an even longer way to go from yeah, the there, world to number 10. There's, def, there's definitely some separation there. But, you know, you, you had a chance to talk to Henry, and, and he's going to come on and talk. But he told you that a lot of his progress and, and him going from very, very good to world-class and at the top of the world came after the age that Kenneth Rooks is right now. Yeah. And so we're, we're really excited to have... Um, when it comes to the time to, to talk with former Olympian Henry Marsh, and he's going to tell us a little bit, of maybe some of the potential of Kenneth after his top 10 finish today. Houston is with us here on the show tonight. Great to have the great state Mark of Texas Actual, that's represented. Like a, what, what's that one? Is it, is it Pooh Hound? It sounds like it. As a BYU fan like in Houston? It. Yeah. Okay, we're glad you're here. <laughs> we're, we're glad Wait, that Houston's in the Big and, 12. And Houston's, BYU fans in Houston are going to represent now having Houston in the Big 12. It's going to be fun. I think we, we owe Houston a few stadium and arena takeovers. Yes, we do, and yeah, they're coming. So. News and notes from today, uh, which today was the official end of fall camp. At least they, they kind of put a button right. on it. I had some media veils, uh, and, and uh, Aaron Roderick made a couple of announcements. Uh, Jake Retzloff is the number two quarterback heading into the season. We'll see what that means. They want to protect his red shirt. He can play four games. But he's number two as we sit marching in. But if something happens to Keaton Slovis early, I have a feeling that Finnegan will be a factor as well because they'd love Retzlaff to have a redshirt year and if then two could. years. Yeah, if they if can. They can. So although, I don't know, I do think for sure, let, let's say that Keaton stays healthy and, uh, and Jake's played in a couple of games and there's six games left, I think they go, oh, no, no, let's – we. He can only play in two. Let's redshirt him for sure. We don't want to. Yeah. Um, but if something happened early, and I'm knocking on wood like crazy right now. Is this this wood table's wood, yeah, right? Yes. Like so, let's just knock on some wood, right? Because uh, <laughs> Keaton's going to stay healthy and he's going to have a phenomenal season. I, I I can't think of somebody that deserves more to have a, a great season than Keaton with the work he's put in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, 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 and you watched him. Uh, we all got to see a little of him. Uh, Saturday uh, in the scrimmage, and then we did a little clip for BYU TV. Yeah. You really liked what you saw. Yeah, no, it was good, and I and I got I got special permission to go to the the whole scrimmage because uh, it was the Cougar Club Day, 
at, uh, and just so folks know, um, even though I don't really get much benefit from it because I go to all the games and call the games and do the pre post, I am I am a Cougar Club member. You're a Cougar Club member. Everyone should be a Cougar Club member. So so we're Cougar According Club to my members. Father. Um, and uh, and we got to got invited to go to the lunch and to go to the thing. So Brenda and I went, took our seats, took our J Dogs, and watched Keaton Slovis and. Man, he was impressive. He, Keen was a little under the weather, so he, it, just a little sickness. So he just played a couple of series, but in the two series he played or three series he played, I thought he was really impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on him now. Yeah, Jonathan's with us from Henderson, Nevada. You know, Southern Nevada has some of the best BYU fans in the world. Uh, and I was down there with them for about 20 years, and uh, they're just awesome. And they love this show, which is great. Uh, I thought one other interesting note from Roderick today is Mataava Taase, uh, the transfer tight end from Southern Utah, is the number two tight end going yeah. into Sam Houston. Yeah, and it's and he's the other thing about uh, Taase is he's a he's really good at playing that H slash F spot. You know, the kind of the wing that Mason Wake played, and Mason medically retired. And uh, this dude can hit some people yeah. and plow the road and create some seams for Aiden Robbins. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited for Taase. Um, another name that people aren't really thinking about much is Paulo, um, who is also going to get a lot of playing time. So there's two new guys that can play that H and F. Um, and then also back up Isaac Rex and Ethan Erickson and uh, uh, Fakahua has now moved to tight end. That tight end room got from really thin last year to really, really deep this year. Thick, which yeah. is good. Would you say from thick? From thin to thick. It's thick, <laughs> and I'm liking that. And then, and then Jacob, uh, our Jackson Bowers, Jacob's the old basketball player, Jackson Bowers, the tight end, big-time recruit. He's really started to assert himself in the last couple of weeks. I asked uh, the, the coaches, I'm like, who does he remind you of? We got Dennis Pitta coming on today. Is he Dennis Pitta? Is he Andrew George? Is he, you know, is he Clay Brown? Is he Gordon Hudson? And they're like, no, he's Daniel Coates. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I'll take a Daniel Coates. Daniel Coates played like three or four years in the NFL. Yeah, we'll take Daniel Coates. We'll so. also take uh, David with us from the Tri-Cities in the state of Washington on the Wise Guys tonight. Everybody that's on the stream, let us know where you're viewing from, and we'll try to get a mention because we sure appreciate you. Micah Harper made it official. He's out for the year with a torn ACL. We'll see him next season. College football national writer Brett McMurphy projecting this week that BYU will play South Carolina in the Gasparilla Bowl on December 22nd. So okay. That I'm would telling, be eleven P fives. Do you want to know what? If the if the players and the coaches had a say, if they're not in a New Year's Six game, which that's their goal, obviously, right? Yeah. They would love to play before Christmas. As if, if you're not going to play in a New Year's game, th then you want to be done before Christmas and go home with your family. So that's a great bowl against a good, you know, a good. Someday program. we'll be in those bigger bowls that yeah. are like it's December thirtieth, which is the Alamo Bowl or something like that, where it's. You know, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, there's 8 million bucks waiting yeah, for you. You know what? Don't don't sell this team short yet. Let's see how healthy they stay because maybe they move up in that little That'd bowl be nice. hierarchy. And maybe we do play in a Pop-Tarts Bowl. I'm just mad that the Cheez-It Bowl is not around anymore because yeah, I, I was hoping it. they played that and I would get the Cheez-It room with all the Cheez-It stuff. So Newt's here. Another one from the state of Washington on the Wise Guys tonight. They must know that Henry Marsh is coming up a yeah, bit later on. that's right. The November 18th game between BYU and Oklahoma at Lavelle Edwards Stadium is sold out. Gee, you think? Yeah. There's, <laughs> that's number one on the list. Now they got to go work on Sam Houston. See if he can See if he can start Let's the season. Sell, can we please just sell out the home opener against Sam Houston? Yeah. Just frighten these youngins to death. <laughs> the Sam Houston new in the new in FCS. How about our friend Kyle Van Noy? FBS. 
Yeah, now they're now Division One. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Van Noy inducted into the McQueen High School Hall of Fame over the weekend. He was a star uh, at the Reno Nevada High School before coming to BYU. Still waiting to sign with a new team as a free agent. He's um, holding out. You can see our Wise Guys interview with Kyle at wiseguys.com. Did, did a great job. I loved having Kyle oh, on yeah. with us. But I had him um, on for like an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah, and he was great. And you want to know what? Um, Kyle wants to do stuff like this when he gets done. And we'd love to welcome him in and have him be part of some of the stuff of that we, we do. And, and he's smart. He's a veteran. Uh, I talked to Harvey Longy last week. He's doing the same thing. They have some teams interested in them. But they're saying, I really just as soon not play camp. Yeah. And well, so, camp's so about over. I will not be surprised when the camp is over if, if both of those guys end up hooking up because they're established guys in the league. Pick six previews. Put out a tweet this week. The most wins in college football over the last 50 years. Shout out to Naperville, Illinois. Good to have Russ with us on the Wise Guys. Thanks, Russ. Um, number one, last 50 years, most wins in college football. Ohio State yeah. at 476. Now, some of these are going to be no-brainers. Oklahoma, Oklahoma yeah, that's 470. What you think. Alabama's third at 463. Yep. Georgia's number four at 448. Nebraska's five at 445. And then it gets a little interesting. Yeah. Number six is Michigan at 442. Now, remember, Michigan's the all-time most winning. They have more wins than any team in the history of college football. There's six in the last 50 years. Seven is Penn State at 440. And how about BYU at number eight with 431? How about that? Clemson's nine at 427, Florida State 422 at number 10. That rounds out the top Those 10. are the blue bloods right there. They're all blue bloods. Yeah. That's, it's interesting. You know, it's going to take a while for Utah to catch up, and they may never know that BYU's in a P5. <laughs> they, they're, they're not going to catch we, up. We've talked about this. BYU has they have a national championship. They're top 10 all time. You know, they're top 10 in the last 50 years in wins. They um, have multiple league championships. They have so many bowls that they've played in. And they also have all the major awards. You've got Heisman Trophy winners, David O'Brien Award winners, D- Doak Walker Award winners, Outland Trophy winners, a couple of those, in fact. Yeah. Um, so so their, their history is a blue blood history, that's for sure. It's a national level program. A couple of notes before we get to Dennis Pitta. Kenneth Rooks today finished 10th in the 3,000-meter steeplechase at the World Track and Field Championships. That was in Budapest uh, earlier this afternoon. And 10th is right where Henry Marsh predicted he, might, he yeah, would you, finish. You came in and said you talked to Henry, and Henry said 10th. Yeah, I wrote about it in the and Desiree I, News. I knew Henry knew what he was talking about. But that just solidified yeah, it right yeah. there. So his time was 820.02, which was the highest U.S. finish. Sufiani El Bakali of Morocco won Of course, it Morocco. In eight minutes, or 803.53. So there's about 16 seconds in between first and 10th. Right. Um, and so that's where he's got to go to become the best in the world. By the way, which Henry Marsh was the best in the world. Um for for a long time certainly the number one steeplechase runner in the united states uh, so we're going to talk to him in just a little bit when rook's going to return to byu in time to run in the big 12 this fall you know what i like our chances in the big 12 in track and field and cross track country. and field and, cro- and cross country <laughs> like why do we even talk about the big 12 let's just go win some more national championships in cross country so congratulations to kenneth rooks I, i'm not even sure we um understand how awesome that is but Henry Marsh is going to lay it out for us. Yeah. Hey, let's talk a little bit about women's soccer. Ranked number 11, up two spots from last week. So, so they defeated a number 21 St. Louis 3-2 to two last Thursday. And then they went and played Cal State Fullerton. They beat them 4-1 on Saturday. Uh, next up, Long Beach State, uh, Thursday at 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. 
that's a program that can immediately go and not only compete for a Big 12 championship, but they're always in the talk about can they get to a Final Four, can they get to a championship game again. It, it's an elite-level program, and uh, they're off to a good start. Dallas, Texas is in the house tonight. I'm just looking at the live stream, listening to you talk, and the whole world is uh, – the whole. this is such an awesome show. So where's, the, the wait, live where's stream our and folks, everyone's in. I'm waiting for our folks from Philippines to chime in. I want Corey to chime in from Japan at some point tonight or tomorrow morning. It is there. <laughs> it's, it's morning. It's 10 a.m. in the morning in Japan. Um, what about our folks from Panama? Yeah, We've got folks from Panama. If you're out there, South America – let us know you're out let's, there. Let's let's hear from you for sure. A women's volleyball, the ranked 17th in the country. The season opener against number five Pitt. That's Friday afternoon at two o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN Plus. They're playing that in Montana, so you got number 17 against number five. But in Montana, I like BYU's chances. Yeah, there in Montana, it's a long road trip for the Panthers. And BYU um, under Heather Olmstead's never been ranked lower than 18. How about that? Yeah, that's just solid. That's, 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 that's quite a, a record. Home so. opener against LMU is coming up August 30th uh, at 7 o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN+. Hey, Poohound from down in Houston wants to know if I played this season, how many touchdowns I would throw. Well, how many are we expecting Slovis to throw? I think he's going to throw around 40. 40. So if you were playing... 46. 46? Yeah, 47? 46. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds about right. <laughs> Didn't Jim throw like 48 one year? I think we ran through like 48. Which is like ridiculous. No, I. Here's the thing. Um, they do have great receivers and they got great run, great running backs. I think like I would throw us down there and throw for 400. And I'll let, I'll just let Aiden Robbins run a lot of touchdowns. It's gonna be like yeah, Brandon Dolman, Luke smart, Staley. That would yeah. be a smart thing. I want everybody involved. I don't want to just go out and throw 48 touchdowns and break Jim's record. I don't want to do that. Spencer's back with us from Lubbock, Texas. What's up, Spencer? And Spencer, by the way, was the one who went and got five new. Viewers for Wise Guys, remember we challenged that him? That was Spencer, that's right. That was last week, and he got it done, and so Spencer, we're going to give him a special shout-out. And uh, our guys are working on Dennis Pitta. We'll get the green light from DJ here in just a moment. Uh, Pitta's awesome, and uh, we're going to ask him for his five favorite touchdown passes right. that he's caught. Five t- favorite touchdown catches um, in his career, not just BYU, because you know he went in the NFL won a Super Bowl, yeah, caught yeah. a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Um, and as we as we finagle through that, let's go over some of the key dates uh, that we got going on on campus. And we also have some basketball news we can get to. Right. Um, Thursday, uh, Long Beach State soccer, Southfield, six o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN Plus. And we mentioned a moment ago Friday's volleyball. There's more soccer Saturday at Boise State, and then volleyball again Saturday uh, at Montana. And then on August 29th, yeah, we've um, got more after further review as we break down some of the offensive superstars and yeah, preview Sam I hope Houston. you got to watch the show today. Um, because if we not, talked, it's waiting for you. Yeah, because we talked about defensive stars today, and it was, really, it was really fun to get into that. So offense next week. Next week on Wise Guys, got a couple of my buddies and old teammates. Steve Young's coming um, in, in with us. He's not coming in to here because right. he's going to be at home in Palo Alto. And and come on via Zoom. But uh, Elder Sikahema, who was going to be in studio, studio via Sikahema. It's his birthday, so now he's going to join us so via Zoom. So now he's going to join us via Zoom. But they'll both be in the house with us, um, or, or in the Zoom with us. Um, that's going to be a really fun show next week. And August 31st, women's soccer. Number one UCLA at number 11 BYU, 8 How about PM. that for a night, Southfield? Do you know what? I like BYU's chances against the number one at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, that, like, it's not that, like when number one Miami came in to play BYU. We didn't give him any shot in the no. one. This is number one coming in against a team that's not intimidated by number one. And at home, they're not intimidated by anybody. That's for sure. So I like BYU's chances against number one UCLA at home. That's going to be uh, that's going to be a tough ticket to get. Yeah, that that place should be just jam packed, right? Yeah. Um, and then and then September second, of course, uh, football Sam Houston at BYU eight fifteen on FS one. You and I will be doing a two-hour pregame show um, that night, um, our game day, which will start at 6.15 Mountain Time. Everybody's excited about football, understandably so. We've seen a lot of Cougars in the NFL. Mm -hmm. August 29th is the day when cuts are made. You remember they used to do cuts like this day and this day and then final cuts? Now just all the cuts are on August 29th, and we've got 21, 22 former Cougs trying to land jobs or keep jobs in the NFL. And uh, so keep that day in mind, August 29th. And Chris Brooks, a couple of notables real quick. Uh, last week with the Dolphins, 11 for 47 yards. He caught a touchdown pass, a little screen, went 18 yards to the end zone. He's making some headway, I think, with the Dolphins. Yeah, and I'll tell you who's looked really good is Zach Wilson Yeah, with the Jets. Th this time to be able to be – Working uh, with Aaron Rodgers has been really good for him, and I think it's going to prolong his career and, and help him be a great quarterback. He was 9 of 13 for 70 yards, two rushes for 41 yards. Uh, he had that 35-yard crazy run. That was all over Twitter. All over Twitter. Yeah. So, so uh, I, hey, things are looking up for Zach Wilson. Not having to have the pressure to be the man. Let, let Aaron Rodgers be the man for a year or two here. Jaron Hall was 4 of 7 for 49 <laughs> yards, led a touchdown drive for the Vikings. He's the third-string quarterback and uh, making the most of some of these preseason games where a lot of the stars haven't been playing. They will this week. It's yeah. the final week coming up. And Matt Bushman caught a couple of passes for the Chiefs. Yeah, two, two receptions for 30 yards for Matt. We, we uh, wish Matt the best there and has a chance. It's great to see him healthy and, and, and contributing there. So. so here's where everybody is this yeah, week. Yeah, let's start with this. Thursday, uh, the Steelers are at the Falcons. So Tyler Algier um, will be the guy we'll be watching that one, 530 Mountain Time on the NFL Network. And then, oh, yeah, also Thursday, the Colts. Blake Freeland with the Colts at the Eagles, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. That's on Prime Video. And then uh, Friday, we got the Lions and the, at the Panthers. Brady Christensen, of course, with the Panthers at 6 p.m. Mountain Time on CBS. Also on Friday, the Chargers. Michael Davis at the 49ers. Fred Warner, 8 p.m. Mountain Time on the NFL Network. Um, yeah, two... Two bonafide stars and starters for those two teams in Michael Davis and Fred Warner. I don't know how much they'll play. Saturday for the Bills is Zane Anderson, and uh, they take on the Bears. And Dennis just told us he's logging on right now, so he's going to join us in a sec. Tyson Williams of the Cardinals against Jaron Hall and Kyrus Tonga at the Vikings. And then uh, the Browns that same night, Sione Takitaki and the Chiefs, Matt Bushman, 11 a.m. Mountain Time on the NFL Network. Zach Wilson back in action against the Giants, Jets-Giants. That's at 4 o'clock Mountain Time on Saturday on NFL Network. And then Bengals at Commanders. Dax, we were looking for Dax last night. You, you, I heard he, his name called yeah. a few times, but I didn't see much. Yeah, he didn't. I don't feel like he played a lot of plays. Uh, that's also the, then the Dolphins with Chris Brooks at the Jags. Uh, and the Rams with Puka Nakua, who's getting a lot of complimentary buzz coming out of the Rams. Um, they're at the Broncos at 7 p.m. Mountain Time on the NFL Network. Yeah, and I didn't see Puka in the game uh, the other day, and so he might have already just kind of made the team and like, look. Yeah, it's just like when he's not playing and they're talking good about him at this point in preseason, that's a good thing. That means they're saying, 
yeah, he's got the spot. He's fine. We don't need to play him and have him get hurt, um, which I love. And then Sunday kind of rounds up that this this week of football with the Texans at the Saints. And, of course, the Saints should be one of the Cougs' favorite teams with two Cougs, Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill, 6 p.m. Mountain Time on Fox. And, yeah, so now the now the the networks are starting. Uh, and Kamara's hurt, right? Isn't Kamara ABC. hurt? He's out for three, week, uh, three games for a suspension. That's right. So Jamal is going to be getting some run here even in the regular season yeah, with, with uh, Kamara out. It's going to be interesting, um, and the, so the starters should play about a quarter, maybe a half this week, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then you should see Hall again and and some of the others. Tyler Algier, they're being careful with him. They got also a new running back. They drafted the Texas kid. Surprised me that they drafted a first round draft pick at running back after yeah. Tyler Algier just rushed for a thousand yards last year. Like what the heck? It didn't make any sense, but it's the Falcons. Yeah, and that maybe that makes the most sense of all. Hey, by the way, Amber's really anxious to get Dennis Pitt on the show and. Amber, we're trying. <laughs> we're trying. DJ is working uh, as we uh, speak. I'm, like his fingers are working so hard on the keyboard that smoke is coming off of his keyboard right now. <laughs> and Henry Marsh coming up a bit later, and, and we're going to take your questions, of course, uh, on our live stream. So if you have anything, send them to us. And, and we've got basketball news, too. Both the men's and women's teams are actually over in yes. Europe. Uh, doing exhibitions and uh, you know I don't know what to read into um, a lot of these things uh, when they go over there and they just just whoop on teams I I don't know if they just got them together from out back or if they're playing they're not playing the national squad but uh, it's a great bonding opportunity Dubrovnik and and there were some guys there that were in Game of Thrones extras (laughs) and they said hey you guys are actors and they said yeah and they said you want to play some basketball players and pretend like you're basketball players? Sure. Sure, why not? So they go play them, then BYU won, wins by 80. So today, BYU, the men's team, defeated uh, Pala Canestro, Canestro, Pala Canestro, 84-73. Jackson Robinson had 26. Uh, in game one on their tour, they beat Orange 1, Basket Bassano in Milan, 164. And uh, Trevor Nell had 20 points. So they got two games in. Before they left, Mark Pope added Colin Terry to his coaching staff. He comes from the G League of the NBA. And Nate Austin, former Cougar, is back now with the director of basketball operations. Remember, it was Austin who blocked a shot with three seconds left to give BYU a 69-68 win at number 25 Gonzaga back in 2016. Yeah, pretty Game awesome. of his life. Um, hey, by the way, my night is complete now because Glenn just logged in from the Philippines. So there you go. All right. He says, Real Games comes in. And Amber says uh, she saw a bunch of fun Instagram posts from Lauren Gustin over in Europe today and said they must be having fun, which absolutely. Th- this is not just about going over and playing. This is about team building opportunity. You know, we talked to both uh, both the men's staff and the women's staff. We had, we had Nick Robinson, Robinson on here um, a couple of weeks ago. These trips are as much about the 10 practices you get additional that you don't normally get to work with your guys uh, and, and before you go with your team. Yeah, It's about spending time together as a team and building camaraderie and chemistry and all of that. And then, yeah, you play some games. But that may be the third most important thing on a trip like this is the actual playing of the games. So it's pretty fun stuff. The women uh, defeated the Spanish All-Stars 62-43, to and then they beat uh, Brittle Blick, Iceland, 104 to 53. We don't hear a lot of about Iceland basketball. And then Latvian All-Stars, 99 to 45. Is that all saying true? Like, it's it's green in Iceland and it's ice in Greenland? Is that true? I don't think it is. 
but it sounds like it should be. I thought I thought in Greenland it was just icy, but in Iceland it actually has a lot of greenery. Is that yeah. wrong? Yeah, my neighbor went to Iceland and it was green. She took a lot yeah. of pictures. Henry, Henry, give me a thumbs up. Henry's in the green room now. Henry Marsh is in the green room, and DJ says that's a true statement. He also says Dennis is with us. Let's get right to Dennis, our first of course, guest. Of DJ never questions me. So. No. He's learned that a long time ago. Our first guest tonight is Super Bowl champion and member of the BYU Athletic Hall of Fame, set the standard at tight end for a program that's had a number of outstanding tight ends. Our pleasure to welcome the former walk-on and eventual consensus All-American and Hall of Famer and Super Bowl champion, Dennis Pitta, back to the wise guys. And there he is, live from his vehicle in California. Dennis, <laughs> it's so great to have you with us. How you doing? I'm good. You guys hear me all right? Yeah, yeah we can hear you great. Like, what... What vehicle is that? People want to know what you're driving these days so they can go out and get one. Um, I actually have a Ford F-150 Lightning. It's the new electric one. Oh. Um, you know, I live in I live in California now, so uh, gas prices are a little bit higher than where you guys are at. Yeah, just a little we, bit. Uh, we got to offset our costs somehow and, and, and stay electric. But uh, I apologize for being late, guys. I literally just walked off the practice field here in San Clemente. I was with our good friend John Beck and Byron Rex and the crew. We're, uh, we're all coaches over here for San Clemente High School. So we have a game coming up on Thursday, actually, this week. And uh, I apologize. I was all wrapped up into practice and didn't realize what time that's it was. That's all right. We hey, work pe- around people, that. People have been, yeah, and that's the most important thing. People have been so excited, like, on the chat. Like, you can't see it because you're down there. But people are like, where's Dennis? Get Dennis. And and, then, and, and some of <laughs> the women sorry. that follow their show are like, Dennis is a beautiful man. Where's the, where's the handsome Dennis? Like, I was like, wow. Well, the handsome Dennis has Dennis a foul following. Is right here. How excited are you for the football season? Uh, I am very excited. Are, are we talking BYU football? Are we talking uh, San Clemente High School football? Both. Because I'm excited for both. Yeah, let's let's start with San Clemente, and then and then okay. since it's going on now, and then the Cougs here in a week and a half. Yeah, uh, we had our first game last Friday night for San Clemente, first game of the season, and uh, we got a big win, twenty to ten, against a very good, uh, highly ranked Chaparral team out of Temecula, California. So. Great start for uh, for the Tritons down here in San Clemente, and uh, we're one to zero. Is this staff? So you mentioned there's you, there's John Beck, there's there's Byron Rex. That's like an NFL staff. Is that to rival the Ty Detmer Max Hall staff <laughs> over in Arizona? Yeah, I uh, you know I was part of the Ty Detmer Max Hall staff. I was the wide receiver slash special teams coach there, and you know it just it, that that staff only could take me so far. And so I realized, you know, I got to jump ship. I got to find something that'll challenge me a little bit more. And, uh, and so I came over to California and joined John Beck and, and Byron. And we have Matt Redden, if you guys remember yeah, him. Yeah, I, I know Matt really well. Don't tell me Jonathan Ord's out there with you guys, too. You know, Jonathan, I replaced Jonathan Ord out here. Oh Jonathan my Ord got called as a mission president in, I believe, Texas. No kidding. And so he just left, uh, I think, in June. And uh, I stepped in. So... We have a pretty strong BYU contingency uh, down here in San Clemente. Yeah, that's, that's much like we had in Arizona. Oh yeah, that's, you know, John, Jonathan, and Matt—they kind of run the whole. They run San Clemente, obviously. And so, my question yeah. is that now that Jonathan's not on a mission, I'm hoping like you and Matt are going to be able to take care of me at San Clemente Country Club when I come down there. Now, <laughs> very hilly, but Listen, a good course right by their house there. I uh, I am not a member there, so that's going to have to be Matt. I okay. am. Uh, I live up just like ten minutes north of there. I live in Ladera Ranch. Oh, okay. And so I am not a technically a San Clemente guy, but 
but, but I coach. But you're down coaching here. with those. Because what positions are you? You were coaching receivers and special teams with Ty. What are you coaching with the staff here in San Clemente? Yeah, so I'm still doing wide receivers. Byron's technically the tight end coach, but you know I I interject probably too often uh, when he's trying to coach <laughs> and uh, kind of you know over, overtake his uh, coaching points and and bring my own um, to the game. So. You know, Byron, I'm always stepping on Byron's toes, which I think he's he's bothered by. But uh, I, I keep telling our tight ends, listen, the game has passed Byron by. He's old. All right. This is this is new school football. You guys need to listen to me and ignore what he says. Dennis, when when Byron's in one of his things and he's talking a lot, do you just pull out your Super Bowl ring and put it on and walk around the guys? <laughs> uh, I, I I haven't. You know, I haven't pulled that move yet. But it's there um, for you. come to that. He still is um, letting me talk a little bit, but if it comes to that, uh, I will have no shame. Who's older, Byron or... Uh, oh, yeah, I think Byron's, Byron's older. Yeah, older. Byron yeah. or Tom Brady. You know, I'm like, who's older, Byron or Tom Brady? <laughs> I think Byron's a little bit older. <laughs> I think so, too. Byron, I think he's in his... Byron's in his 50s. Byron's mid-50s, okay. I think. I don't yeah, know. See, Listen, he looks great for 50. Yeah, he is in shape. Yeah, let's uh, let's shift to the Cougs. Uh, a week from Saturday is the opener. Um, do you get anxious this time of year? Because this was the time of year you were either playing at BYU or you're playing for the Ravens. Now you're coaching, but as a as an athlete, do you kind of does the bug come back in late August? Uh, it definitely does. You know, as soon as teams start reporting back for training camp in the NFL, I start to kind of get butterflies in my stomach because I I just remember for so long. Uh, that time of year and being nervous and, and getting back and, and into training camp and um, getting ready for the season. So uh, I know what those guys are going through. Training camp is not easy in the NFL, I can tell you that, and um, having to go through those preseason games. And there's just so much pressure at, at that level. And um, I'm nervous for the guys that are playing now, even if I don't know them. I, uh, I just have, like, butterflies in my stomach for those guys because you know <laughs> the grind that they're going through day in and day out, both physically and mentally. And so um, – you know, I'm a little farther removed from the fall camp days at BYU, and uh, those felt a little bit more fun to me than the NFL ones did. Uh, BYU is, for whatever reason, it was a little bit more, I, I felt a little bit more comfortable and relaxed and not quite as much pressure there. Um, you didn't feel like you were always losing your job at BYU like you do in the NFL, but um, it, it's an exciting time of year, and I love when football rolls back around, you know, because I, I get to coach, but also, you know, watching it every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, is a blast. You take us inside. You said it's been a little bit longer, but now BYU is less than two weeks away. They they officially closed fall camp today, so now it's prep for Sam Houston. What 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 does that change mean for the mindset of the players and and what's kind of going through their heads as they're now less than two weeks away from game one? Yeah, I mean you you kind of you make that mental shift from training camp grind going against your own team to now you're preparing for an opponent. And I always loved that shift from whether it was in the NFL or at BYU from going against your own guys. I mean, physically, the, the grind of just fall camp is really difficult. And to be able to now shift your attention to an actual opponent, to be able to start game planning towards an opponent, um, you get to work against the scout team a little bit more. So you get more of a physical break from the grind to training camp. And it's always an exciting time because, you now you know, all right, we're just a week or two away here from the start of the season and getting underway. So um, I, I love this time of year, and, um, you know, we're, we're about ready to get rolling here. 
handful of BYU receivers, including tight end Isaac Rex, spent some time with you in California doing offseason training. He talked with Rex after the scrimmage Saturday. He's back. He's healthy. He's ready to go. What are your expectations for him in this offense after working with him during the summer? Yeah, I mean, we, we had a really um, great opportunity, both Austin Colley and myself, to, to train a lot of the BYU wide receivers and tight ends, which I think was was awesome. Um, you know, we're down here in, in Southern California, and um, Keaton Slovis was down here training with John Beck, so we, we kind of used that opportunity to get a bunch of the tight ends and receivers down here, um, get some extra work while the quarterbacks were doing their work. We were getting... Um, all kinds of different drills with the tight ends and receivers. And then we would come together and throw routes so those guys could get on the same page. And, and we'd film them and we'd watch the film, we'd critique them. So we, we were able to spend about three weeks or so with a lot of those guys. And for me, it was a blast. I mean, I, I didn't know a lot of those guys, um, a lot of the receivers. Obviously, I, I have known Isaac for a little bit now. Um, but another tight end that was down with us was Anthony Olson, who we really enjoyed getting to know. And then a bunch of the wide receivers, Parker Kingston was one of them. Um, you know, a lot of those guys were down here working with us. And it was awesome just to get to know those guys, to see their game, to be able to help them in any way that we could, um, you know, refine their route running at the top of routes, getting re- off the jam, working releases, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, hopefully they enjoyed it, but it was great to be able to give back to those guys and, and work with them. And, and, and listen, it gives me, more of a vested interest now and, yeah. and I'm going to really be paying attention and watching those guys and, and really excited for them and, and, you know, rooting for the success this season. You know, we, they gave rave reviews. Like they were really excited about having the opportunity. When we've talked to some of those kids that were down with there, they treasure that opportunity. It was really fun for them. You, you mentioned, um, do you, you worked a little bit with Keaton cause he was down there with John working with John. What's your impression of Keaton? I mean, he is, I think he's made huge progress since, since, um, spring till now in his his mastery of this offense and all that but you saw his raw physical skills down there what were your thoughts yeah i mean the first thing that jumps out to you is his his leadership ability he's a confident kid and he's a natural leader i mean he he was rallying the receivers he right away everybody kind of looks to him as their as their leader and for a guy that just transferred in and really had only been there a couple months um, that was impressive to see. And that's what you need and want out of the quarterback position, a guy that's going to be confident in the huddle, a guy that everybody's going to look to um, for confidence, and, and somebody's going to be that kind of natural leader for the group. And so that jumped out to me right away. And then you, you see his physical ability. I mean, he's been working with John Beck for a long time, but um, the way he spins the ball, you know, his, his footwork and all that is, is excellent. And uh, it was really fun to see those guys firsthand and really, that makes you miss football more than anything, watching those guys get out here and run routes together. I wish I could still – I mean, there was a number of times where I wish I could have laced them up and jumped out there and ran a corner route or something and caught the ball, but um, I would have been pretty slow at it and uh, probably would have been <laughs> overthrown. But, um, you know, it, it, that's just so much fun. I, I love that kind of work in the offseason. Uh, Max and, and myself and Austin, I mean, we, we thrived in that. We, we just loved to, to get together and throw routes on air and, and do whatever we could to get on the same page and be able to work with those guys and do that stuff um, when they didn't have to be doing anything at all. I mean, they had three weeks off. Uh, I think it was after spring ball and before they kind of started their summer workouts and stuff. Um, those guys were out there getting an extra work, grinding, working together, making sure they were on the same page. And, and I think that's going to really transition um, to success in the fall. Dennis Pitt is on the Wise Guys tonight. He's suited up between 2004 and 2009 at BYU with a two-year mission in between. 
His 211 receptions for 2,883 yards remains a school record among tight ends, and he loves it when we say that. His 21 touchdowns are tied for second all-time among tight ends with Isaac Rex and just one behind the legendary Gordon Hudson. Rex, uh, we asked him on Saturday if um, if if you were okay with him blowing past you uh, on the touchdown board, and it could happen in the first game, and he said that uh, he suggested that you come to Provo, and when he does that, that he hands you a football or some kind of ceremonial thing and that was his idea. And I asked him if he went for it, and he said, absolutely not. So, so. <laughs> um, I, I mean, that would be awesome. Listen, he's going to break that record. He's going to be me. He's going to be Gordon Hudson. I mean, he's already tied with me. Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. You and yeah. here tied at two, yeah. and Gordon's only one ahead. Man, I didn't know we were already tied. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, he just needs one to be me. Just Goodness, one. He's going to, he's going to beat that against Sam Houston state. I might have to come out there for that game. <laughs> um, I don't know that I could commit to get out there each and every week to, uh, be there when he, when he scores a touchdown, if he doesn't happen in the first game, but, uh, I know Isaac. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure as soon as he breaks that record, I will, uh, I'll <laughs> give him a call and, uh, we'll, we'll have a nice chat about it, yeah, but he, he may call I mean, you he, first. He, yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's a great kid. It was so much fun, you know, to work with him this offseason. And and just to get to know him better over the last two years or so um, has been so fun for me, to be completely honest. He's a stud. I mean, listen, he's probably going to catch a ton of touchdowns this year. He's going to shatter that record and, and, you know, have it by, you know, probably five or six touchdowns, if not more. And so um, I, I'm proud of him and everything he's accomplished at BYU. I mean, the guy's a touchdown machine, and he can catch – Everything that comes his way, he's got a huge catch radius, and that is a massive weapon in the red zone. And, and a re- big reason why I think he started his career with what twelve touchdowns his yeah. freshman yeah, year, yeah, first year, and has yeah has continued to build upon that. I mean, there's there's a reason he's got so many touchdowns, and uh, and you know it, it's a compliment to him and what he's able to do in the red zone for those guys. It's, it's been fun to watch him, Dennis. He, you know, we watched last year and we just all struggled with him because we when he was healthy with a perfect ankle, he could get separation down in the, in, in the red zone. And he struggled last year with that bad ankle. He's probably playing at 70%. Nobody ever admitted that, but he played at 70%. As I've watched him through fall camp, he's getting separation again. I just keep thinking, whoa, he's he's going to catch a bunch of balls this year, and it's going to be really fun. We know he's a given. Like you mentioned his catch radius. Well, looking at these other tight ends, you got Ethan Erickson, Anthony Olsen, who I know you worked with. Um, freshman Jackson Bowers, uh, Mason Fakahu moved from running back to tight end. Are, are there any of these guys that you're particularly excited about in the, and, and with the rest of these tight ends um, working behind Isaac Rex? Yeah, I mean, from all accounts, it's a really good group. And I know there's a couple transfers in there that you mentioned uh, who have had great fall camps. I, I haven't had a chance to work with those guys or see those guys. The only other guy that I'm really familiar with is Anthony Olten, Olson and uh, – you know, Anthony's an intriguing guy because Anthony's only really played like two years of football. He played basketball growing up. He played basketball through much of high school, um, switched to tight end and played football his senior year of high school and then got a scholarship to BYU as a tight end. And so um, his story is pretty remarkable, but he's he's a really great athlete. I've played basketball against him down here. We played basketball with with the whole crew. And, uh, you know, he's a tough cover in basketball. He's got a lot of lateral quickness and, and a lot of body control. And so it's just a matter of time before he's able to kind of put it together on the football field, because with that kind of athleticism and his ability to change direction, 
Um, you know, he's a really big kid. Uh, you know, if he can just kind of refine his route running a little bit and, and, and utilize that basketball skill in the tight end position, um, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with as he, as he matures and progresses in this offense and with that team. And so, um, he's definitely a guy that, that I'll pay attention to his career and, and don't be surprised if you hear his name in, in a couple of years as the next great tight end for BYU. When Dennis Pitta speaks, people listen because he caught 224 passes for 2,098 yards and 13 touchdowns during his seven seasons with the Ravens, including a touchdown catch in the Super Bowl to beat San Francisco. And he had a couple of injuries in between that uh, fantastic NFL career. But now let's talk about the Big 12, where your Cougars are, are a member of. And next year, Utah's back in the Big 12. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I love it, to be honest. And, you know, I know there's been some mixed feelings uh, amongst Cooper, Cougar Nation with, with Utah coming to the Big 12. I'm not sure why people would be opposed to that at all. I, I think it's great for the rivalry. I think it's great for the league. Utah's a great program. I mean, we, we can't deny that. And, uh, you know, the fact that they've, you know, been to so many Pac-12 championships over the last couple of years um, – you know, that only helps the Big 12, that helps BYU. I think it helps everybody. And to not want to see that rivalry continue uh, is just kind of blows me away. I, I love it. And I think um, BYU fans should be excited because now we'll get to see that rivalry every year, hopefully, um, depending on how they kind of set things up. But you would imagine that those, you know, BYU and Utah will play again every year and with a lot more at stake now um, than we had during the independence years. And so, um it's back to kind of the old Mount West Conference or the old whack days when, when you know, BYU and Utah were meeting and, and there was conference and, and all kinds of implications on the line. And, uh, you know, as, as a BYU fan, I'm excited. Yeah, Tom, Tom Homo was on with us last week for a couple hours, and we asked him that. He said, yeah, we'll, we'll likely play them every year. It may not be. We were like, hey, Thanksgiving weekend every year. Wouldn't that be great? And he goes, well, I don't know that it'll work out like that, but we'll certainly play them every year. And, and does that make a big – you just mentioned, hey, now conference implications, postseason implications, all of that. Does that make a huge difference in the tone of that game when all of that is on the line and you're not just playing as an independent? Yeah, listen, that game is always uh, more intense. There's always a lot on the line, whether uh, you have those kind of conference and, and postseason implications or not. Um, I mean, that game just means so much to the fan bases alone that you feel that kind of pressure and that urgency um, and, and that excitement throughout the week leading up to Utah and certainly in the game. But, um, you know, when you have a, a conference championship or you have, you know, certain things on the line that add to the intensity of that game, it, it certainly heightens things. But um, listen, you never need more motivation to go and play well against Utah. And I don't think they need motivation to play well against us. It's still a great rivalry and one that I'm happy is going to continue for a long time now. Hey, next year, uh, if they meet in Thanksgiving time with championship implications, that'll be the first time that that's happened since your last year in 2009. So it's been a long time coming to have uh, uh, an opportunity in that game, perhaps if they go to visions to, win that game and go to the Big 12 yeah, championship could game. Be, could be that. Which, uh, which is uh, rare air for, for both. Uh, one of our live streamers has a question for you, Dennis. Who's your favorite NFL tight end currently in the league? Currently? Um, I'm actually a, a huge Travis Kelsey fan, and I know that's probably a uh, kind Amen. of a boring answer. No, it's awesome. Arguably <laughs> the best 
the best tight end in the NFL, yeah. but um, you know his style of play really resonates with me. And you know he he's a lot like me in in regards to you know he's a, he's a receiver first and a, and a blocker second. Yeah. Um, but the way he's able to kind of you know work defenders and find open voids and and the things he does the craftiness he has in his routes and setting guys up when you really watch and study him which i got to do a lot especially this past year i was able to train a couple tight ends who were getting ready for the combine um, one of which was dalton kincaid from mm-hmm. utah yeah. uh, who went in the first round and so i watched a lot of film with those guys um and, and we watched a lot of travis kelsey in particular to learn from kind of what he does and how he gets open and how he runs his routes. And I gained a lot more respect for him um, because of the subtle little things that your, your standard football watcher may not pick up on. Um, But setting up defenders and the little things he does at the top of routes, just create a little bit more separation. I I really appreciate uh, his game. And um, there's not a lot of tight ends in the history of the league, much less guys that are playing right now that, that are that crafty, that are that good, right? Um, and that do the things that he does. And so, yes, it ha- it helps to have Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. I'll give him that, and, and to have Andy Reid as a play caller. But um, I- I'm really impressed with his game, and he's, in my opinion, head and shoulders above kind of the rest of the league right now. You know, we go through the list of players that are currently in the NFL for BYU, and it seems like a record long list. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys. Um, still in camps. And I, and I realize the situation is different than the old days when they used to have multiple cuts. They just kind of wait to the end and everybody gets cut. But is, is there a Cougar that's currently in the, in the NFL that you feel has the best situation to have a big season this coming season? Well, I think there's the obvious answers. You know, obviously Fred Warner is the best at his position. But a guy that I think, uh, you know, I, I just spoke about Travis Kelsey. And a guy that I think is in a unique position is Matt Bushman. Um you know, he, he's able to sit behind Travis Kelsey. He's able to learn from him. He's been there now probably about a year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. I know he was injured last season. But to be able to be in the same room, position room as Travis Kelsey, to be able to watch how he runs routes, to be able to be in that offense with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, all that. I know he's had a good camp. I know he's had a good preseason. Um, he had a great preseason last year before he got injured and get put on IR. And so Matt Bushman, I think, is in a really good spot. Um, I, I think, you know, listen, he's still a bubble player and he's got to earn his way and he's going to have to play special teams and do all that. Um, but I think he's in a really unique spot to really grow as a player and to really be able to, uh, to, to make his mark in this league at some point. And so, um, Matt Bushman's a great kid. Uh, I'm certainly rooting hard for him and I hope he gets an opportunity to see the field a little bit this year. Um, but at least be on that roster and be able to continue to learn from a guy like Travis Kelsey because that's invaluable, in my opinion. And uh, whether whether he stays with Kansas City or he moves on to another situation, um, I think the growth that he's going to be able to make during his time here in Kansas City is uh, is going to be pivotal, pivotal for him. A couple more questions with the great Dennis Pitta, and then we'll finish with your five favorite touchdown catches of your career. Um, this month... Okay is the 15th anniversary of your best receiving game at BYU. August 30th, 2008, you caught 11 passes for 213 yards, but no touchdowns. So we're perplexed. How does a guy get 213 (laughs) yards in a game without getting across the goal line? What do you remember from that? Uh, You get a lot of catches on your side of the field. That's what happened. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that was against Northern Iowa yeah. in our first first yep. game. Uh, listen, it was a great start to the season for me. The, the opponent wasn't, uh, you know, the best. But um, I, I remember catching a bunch of seam balls, catching a bunch of deep outs, that kind of stuff. Big chunk plays where you could get a lot of yards. For some reason, I did not get in the end zone. I'm not sure I was even close to the end zone uh, in that game, but I had a ton of catches and a ton of yards, and uh, I remember that being a fun one. And that was week one, so I think I was the leading receiver in the whole country yeah. <laughs> after week one in, in the NCAA, or in Division One at least. And so um, it was a good way to start. And then I think the very next week we went to Washington, and I had another 100-yard game or something like that. So I got, I got off to a hot start in that season. Um, but that game in particular, yeah, it was just one of those games where – Felt like we, I was always open. Max was doing a great job of finding me. And uh, uh, the best part about that game is I think Austin Colley was pretty upset about it because I was the leading receiver. Nice. And he was not. <laughs> I, and so, because I think the first few weeks, I was I was blowing him away with yards and catches. And then um, something flipped midseason, and that's where he went on like nine straight games of 100-plus yards and ended up like one of the leading receivers in the country. So um, he, I think he was upset about how that season started. But... Uh, that was the best part of that start for me. <laughs> don't, don't you love the internal competition? Oh, yeah. I remember that Washington game because in that game, it seemed like every time BYU had a third down, Max would just throw it to Dennis. Yeah. And I remember we talked about Dennis having, and I go, that's, he's, Dennis is a chain mover. Third down, everybody in the building's going, well, they're going to throw it to Dennis, but they still couldn't stop it, which I loved. And tight ends can be chain movers. Um, we asked this question to former BYU tight ends coach, uh, or, or uh, BYU tight ends coach Steve Clark. We said, if the game's on the line and you need a reception, which tight end are you going with? And we gave him, we gave him a choice, a list. We said, are you going to go with Gordon Hudson, Chad Lewis, Dennis Pitty, Johnny Harling, Matt Bushman, or Isaac Rex? I mean, we could, but there's so many good tight ends, but that's the list we gave him to pick from. And he hemmed and hawed for He's a little like, while. He's oh, like, I don't know if I should do this. I'm like, just give us one. He goes, okay. <laughs> he says, I'm going 12 personnel. So, see, he hedged. I'm going 12 personnel, yeah. and I'm putting Bushman and Pitta on the field. That's what he said. So we're going to ask you the same question, only you can't choose yourself. That's an obvious choice, right, with, with Coach Clark choosing it. So you got to pick one tight end other than yourself in BYU, his, uh, BYU history. You, I mean, you know what? We're not even going to make you stick to that list. you got to complete a ball for the game winner. Who are you sending out there? Um, okay, that's a good question. Um, first off, I appreciate Coach Clark putting me as one of the two tight ends. He didn't say who he was throwing to, did he? No, no he, he just said, I'm going 12 uh, personnel. I'm going to have, I'm going to have yeah. Dennis and, and, and uh, Bushman out there. I want to know who the top read in that play is. I want to know who the number one read coming off the ball is. Um, if it's Max, he's throwing it to you. We all know that. If Max is the quarterback. Um, so I'll also go 12 personnel. I'm going to put myself on one. I know you said I couldn't put myself, but here's why. I'm going to put myself on one side as a decoy and I'm going to put Andrew George on the other side. And just like how we ended the game against Utah in overtime, we're going to throw it to Andrew. I'm going to pull coverage away on the one side and Andrew's going to catch it and scamper into the end zone on a pivotal third down. And uh, we're going to, we're going to score and win the game. The I love Andrew it. George. That's a great, that's a great a shout choice. out for Colorado for Andrew George. Uh, good choice. You know what? We, it was. It would have been easy to go with uh, the Clay Browns of the world. Yeah, I mean, so many good tight ends. We we were talking. <laughs> listen, that, it, that's such a good list. Like, I, it's so hard to pick one. I mean, listen, Harleen can go up and make a grab and yeah. a fade in the end zone. I mean, 
Listen, I didn't have the luxury to really watch much of Gordon Hudson, but the, the things that that guy did, um, yeah, he was, you know, are unrivaled in my opinion. I mean, he was unbelievable. There's so many names on that list. Yeah, um, I, I don't think you could go wrong. Yeah, with, you know, we, we, we were talking list. last week, Dennis, um, and and we were talking about this Jackson Bowers, who's a really high-rated tight end that came out of out of Arizona, and Max is pretty familiar with him because he's from down there. And we yeah. said to Max, "Tell us about this kid. He's big-time recruit. Everybody wanted him." Is he like Dennis? Is he like Gordon Hudson? Is he like uh, Chris Smith, who we haven't even talked about? And, and he goes, he's 6'5", 230. Yeah. He's like, no, he's Daniel Coates. I was like, oh, we forget about Daniel Coates. I was like, I will take Daniel Coates all day long, right? And it's just like there's so many good tight ends in BYU history. We forget about guys like, even like Daniel Coates, who played in the National Football League and was a really good player. What a tradition that BYU has, and Doug Jolly is another yeah, one. Yeah, Doug slips Jolly, by. and and what's it like to be part of a fraternity of guys at a position that was that good at BYU? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's special to be able to to call yourself a BYU tight end. I think it's a uh, it's an awesome fraternity. Um, it has a history like not many schools can can claim and uh what was cool for me playing tight end at BYU is getting to know the guys who came before me um and Chad Lewis was was at the tail end of his career when I was playing at BYU and and he would always be a guy that was down there working out with us helping us in any way that we can he wasn't working for BYU at that point and so um to be able to work with a guy like Chad who, who you grew up watching as a tight end um, it, it's just so neat. And then for me to be able to work with the current tight ends, I think is, is a, an awesome pleasure for me to be completely honest. And, uh, they probably don't care about it too much, but, um, for me, it's, it's, it's just cool to get to know those guys and to, to help them in any way that I can. And, um, you know, help try to continue that tradition and that legacy, because like you mentioned, I mean, there's, there's so many guys that, uh, have had tremendous careers as tight ends, not only in, in, BYU, but also in the NFL. And another guy that comes to mind as we're talking here is Todd Christensen. Yeah. Um, you know, and I played with Toby, his son, and I got to know Todd a little bit. And, um, you know, guys like that that um, made such a big impact after BYU um, and his impact in the NFL is tremendous. And so, um, you know, what, what, a, what a storied and, you know, huge legacy the the tight end position is at BYU and I'm just you know blessed and grateful to have been a part of that Dennis Steve Clark told us that you have one of his trophies in his office and that you won't come get it uh and so it's just sitting in there what is he talking about <laughs> yeah, what is he talking about I have no idea what he's talking <laughs> he's, about he's like Dennis has a trophy he, has he needs to come get it. Yeah. yeah he has one of yours he says Dennis won't come get it and it's just sitting well, there. we're like what is he talking about I don't know. I mean, it's not a Super Bowl trophy. I don't know what kind of trophy we're talking about here. Um, it's not a Hall of Fame I, trophy. You got that. It's not All-American. You don't get trophies for being All-American. What? But there's. Yeah, there, we're going to find out because we told him you were coming on the show. And we were going to ask yep. him. Uh, he was pretty Yeah, you vague. guys let me know what trophy he's Yeah, we'll figure it out. We're going to text you. And, and he the, hasn't told me I need to come pick up anything. So he's, I think, hoarding my trophy is what's really going that's, on. That's, you know what? The table is turned. We're going to follow up yep. with, the, with Coach yep. Clark. All right. You've scored a lot of touchdowns, uh, and we prepped you a little bit on your five favorite. Usually we wrap up these interviews with five questions, but, but we've already done that. Done that. You've done that. 
Henry Marsh is here, and he's going to get his in just a little bit. But let's go with your five favorite touchdowns, NFL or college or high school. What, what's number do, five? Do, yeah, do you, you want to do them in reverse order, five back to one? Okay. Uh, five back to one? Yeah, with yeah, one we want, with, we want to end with the grand finale with the number one. Okay, we can do that. Um, let's say number five, I, I would argue, is um, – well, I can't – so there was – if you guys remember the Colorado State game, yeah. um, my junior year, my senior year – no, it was my junior year because Austin was still playing with us. Um, for whatever reason, we were in a dogfight with Colorado State. Yeah, <laughs> and, it was over uh, there, right? Wasn't it the one over there? I think so. Yeah, it was at Colorado State, um, and that game came down to the absolute wire. And I think we had the ball with under a minute left. And I think with 20 seconds or under 20 seconds, we ran a play, and I caught the game-winning touchdown um, in that game. And I I ran like a little dig, kind of pushed back out, caught the ball, and barreled my way into the end zone. I think I ran right over Mike Reed to get in the end zone, and uh, and we won the game with like ten seconds left. Was that the? So the, that's probably my number, number five. five. Did your helmet come flying off in that one? So no, but that's a great segue to <laughs> number my four. Next Good question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this would be number four. Okay. Uh, is that same game earlier in the second half? Um which arguably might might be my best catch of my collegiate career really was when my helmet popped off because I was just running a seam ball um, on the left side of the formation and uh, Max throws a ball kind of high and away and I had to make a pretty good adjustment all the way back around and, and high point it kind of back behind my head and right as I did that I got sandwiched between two defenders and it popped my helmet straight up. And as you guys know, my helmet tended to come off quite a bit. Is that so uh, that the TV cameras could get a good reason. shot of you? No, just like Jason just, Chaffetz? It's just because was it accidental? Dennis's top of his head is skinny <laughs> and his cheeks are not skinny. And so the helmet just comes off. Yeah, I mean, maybe I have a misshapen head. It did. What's funny is I never had that issue in the NFL. I only had that issue at BYU. And I don't know why. Um, but for whatever reason, it came off quite a bit, but whether my helmet came off a lot or not, I think it was going to come off no matter what yeah, in that play, that that was the way that I got hit mm -hmm. kind of the crown of, of both defenders helmets caught me underneath the chin and it just popped my helmet straight up. So that was, that was definitely one of my most memorable catches and probably my most difficult catches, uh, um, that um, I remember having at BYU and, and just okay. so happened that those two. Those two catches, number and the five same and number game. four. Number were five in the and four in the same game. Yeah, and that one got you on yeah. Sports Center too. The That's one right. with the helmet popping off. That, I'm that pretty got sure. On Sports Center. What, what's th what's three then? These are pretty. But that those are pretty spectacular. I can't wait for three, two, and one here. Yeah. So three is actually we're going to go way back to my freshman year at BYU. Um, it was my first touchdown catch ever at BYU. Oh. Huh. And it was at Air Force. And uh, it was like middle of the season. Now, if you guys remember, you mentioned Dan Coates. So Dan Coates was the starting tight end. I was a lowly walk-on tight end at about 210 pounds, um, trying to play tight end, a converted wide receiver. And um, 
Dan Coates got injured the week before, so I was kind of the starting tight end uh, at Air Force that year. And I caught a tight end throwback screen. Oh, wow. And yeah. scampered probably about 10 or 15 yards into the end zone for my first ever collegiate touchdown. And so for, you know, most fans don't remember that play at all. Uh, for me, that that one seared into my memory because it was my first ever touchdown at BYU. And so um, that was a big one. And, uh, yeah, that, that whole season, I, I didn't play – a lot throughout the first probably six weeks or so of the season. I was kind of the backup to Dan and then Dan broke his hand Mm -hmm. and the last handful of weeks of that season, uh, I played quite a bit. I actually had two touchdowns, uh, in that game against air force Nice to, uh, I don't remember what, I think the second was like a little flat route or something like that, but um, that was a, that was a big one. Your first, your first touchdown is always a big one. And uh, and, and did I hear that right? This is your first start then. So in your very first start, you had two touchdowns. Yeah, it was That's... my very first start um, at Air Force and uh, caught a little tight end throwback screen. And uh, I think I, I think I've told you guys this story, but my freshman year, you know, I was a lowly walk on. Yeah. And uh, dressing Coach over Croton there in the my name field was, house. Yeah. Go Coach Crowden yeah. thought my name was Dustin most of the year. <laughs> yeah, so called you Dustin. I remember I probably, that. I probably ran off the the field and he gave me a high five. Good job, Dustin. Good play. <laughs> and. Uh, and so Dustin had his first touchdown that game. There you well, go. Dustin's in the Hall of Fame, so it worked out for him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, what's, what's, what's two? Okay, so we're actually going to skip to the NFL now. Okay. Um, so number two is my first touchdown ever in the NFL. And uh, it came in my second season. Uh, my first season in the NFL, I was – didn't play a whole lot. I had one catch for one yard. That was my stat line for the whole year. Oh, nice. I did. I, I forgot that. Yeah. So I was uh, I was a special teams player that first year, and I did not get out in on much offense to be honest. But I did against the Bengals. I ran like a little uh, shallow route across the field, and I caught it and immediately got hit by the corner. Got blindsided for one yard. So one catch for one yard was uh, my highlight that year. All right. That being said, I was in my second year. It was Thanksgiving night. We played on Thanksgiving against the San Francisco 49ers, who we eventually met in the Super Bowl a couple years later. It was the first Harbaugh Bowl, so the brothers were going against each other. That's mm-hmm. right. John, John R. Harbaugh against Jim, the 49ers Harbaugh. And uh, my first ever touchdown, I ran a like skinny post from about 10 yards out crossed the safety's face and caught it right in front of him for a, uh, for a touchdown. So um, primetime game on Thanksgiving, first ever NFL touchdown. Uh, we went on to win that game by a touchdown. And so uh, that was a big one for me. Yeah. I think I got the player, of the game ball for our team nice. uh, in that one. So that's a memorable one. That ball is up on my shelf in my office and uh, one that I will always remember. And that takes us, to the biggest touchdown catch in the history of Dennis Pitta. Number one. I have a feeling. <laughs> I know what you guys. I think it's an NFL. Can you one. guys guess what I'm going to say? It has to I, be. I have a pretty good idea. So, but you could surprise us. But it has to be. Could be something crazy. Uh, a short pass into the end zone of the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was only a one-yard touchdown, but it was in the Super Bowl, and uh, I ran like we were on the goal line. I ran like a little corner route. And uh, 
I actually stopped my route early because I was the safety was overplaying me to the outside. I couldn't get across his face. So I actually pushed him off and sat down inside, which we had never worked on in practice. And uh, Flacco's kind of half rolling out, and he sees me do that, and he fires it right on me, and we get a completion for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So um, I, I I would have to think a, a Super Bowl touchdown catch is definitely memorable. Seems like and, it would be. Uh, yeah. yeah. The farther I get away from that game and look back, I think the, the cooler that catch and that touchdown becomes. Yeah. When you can kind of look back and say, oh, I had a touchdown catch in, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the moment, it's kind of surreal. You don't really understand the weight of that. And the farther removed I get, I think it's – I appreciate it more and more. To be able to have played in that game, to have caught a touchdown in that game, and to to won that game um, is awesome. So that's that's my list. That's my number one touchdown. I, lo- right I love that. We, we talk a lot in this show about uh, encouraging people to whatever they're doing, whether it's sports or whatever, to sometimes just step back and take a moment to smell the roses and to recognize the, the cool things are happening all around you. The great uh, Dennis, yeah. but hey, how much rain did you deal with uh, with that tropical storm coming in this last week? Yeah, it was uh, not quite all it was hyped up to be. Is that um, always the case? Isn't that always the case? Yeah, it's we thought the we case, were going to get a bunch of rain from it, and we we had some showers today, but nothing major. Yeah, we had a lot of rain for about you know a day and a half, yeah. and uh, a little bit of wind, but it wasn't it wasn't uh, Hillary didn't quite pack as much of a punch as we were expecting, so. We, we survived. That's good. That's good. good. Are you going to be up for any games? So we, we need to have you come on a game day live if you're going to be up. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i planning on it. I don't know which one we're going to make it up for. I was actually just talking to Byron Rex the other day because Byron goes up to every single yeah, game. Yeah, of course. And, of course. Uh, right. And uh, I was trying to figure out which one we're going to come up to. I'll probably, uh, I'll probably get up there for one. Um, I don't think I'll make it up for the first one, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we let might it, get yeah, let us know that when Oklahoma game or something. Oh, yeah. I was kind of looking at the schedule the other day. A couple of good ones at home um, yeah. that we might have to catch. So well, Let we'll us see. know when you come up. We'd love to have you involved with what we're doing. Will do. Absolutely. Hey, best of luck to San Clemente. Who are you playing this weekend? Who are you playing uh, Friday night? We play, we play Torrey Pines down in uh, San Diego. Yeah, mm-hmm. are they any good? They they run a little bit of the wing T, so oh, it'll, my be, goodness. Uh, it'll be a little slower 50s. pace game than what we're used to, but get some old Can footage from Lavelle. I hate teams that run the wing T. I just hate it. I know. I dislike it more than anything. It's <laughs> tough to watch. I just you know, fortunately I don't have to really game plan or prep for it because we're on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, you know, I We've played a hand. I mean, it feels like in high school, you always run into a, at least one or two of those teams every year that, that are still stuck on the wing tee. And uh, I don't know why, for whatever reason, they just want to stick with it. They, you know, it never works, but we'll see. <laughs> well, well, Dennis, we look, to, look forward to having you uh, on the show again once we get deeper into the season to kind of break down how things are how things are going. And uh, uh, anyway, we, we, we love that you hang out with us and, and we know you're busy and and we're proud of how you represent the Cougs and all that stuff. And congratulations on uh, on a, a, on a San Clemente gig to straighten yeah, up, out Rex coaching and Beck. Yep. You know, a lot of pressure on you. And we're, and we're going to watch. We're <laughs> yeah, going to watch. I feel the pressure. We're we're, uh, we're excited that you're having. You've had some influence on this group of tight ends and receivers. We're going to watch some of those guys you talked about, and and you can watch them with pride, knowing you had a hand in prepping them for this season. That's pretty cool stuff. We appreciate you giving back like you do. Yeah, thank you guys. Well, I'm excited to watch them too. It's always fun when you when you get to know the guys on a personal level. I mean, it makes you want to root for them that much harder. And so 
you know, hopefully they, they go out there and have a great season and, and stay healthy and, and, you know, have a lot of success on the field. So I, I'm their number one fan and, uh, you know, I, I'll be uh, I'll be cheering them on the whole way. All right, go get some dinner. The great Dennis Pitta awesome. on the Wise Thanks, Guys Dennis. tonight. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Dennis. A Saturday, it all starts Navy and number 13 Notre Dame in Ireland at 12.30 p.m. Mountain Time on NBC. Later that day, San Jose State's at number 6 USC. That's what I want to watch because I want to yeah. know how good USC is going to be this year. If, is Caleb Williams all healthy and they're ready to go? Because they could be really good. DJ, let's put up our game day promo, if we could, uh, while we bring Henry up to the hot seat. Uh, the season premiere of game day is one week from Saturday, September 2nd, on BYU TV. We'll be live with the fans at Cougar Canyon, just outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium, for the first hour. And then we'll move our broadcast platform inside the stadium and show you all the festivities like nobody else can. Two hours of pregame coverage. With uh, culminating with BYU and Sam Houston at 8.15 Mountain Time. That's 10.15 Eastern Time. You see the Eastern Time. Game days at 8 Eastern. Kickoffs at 10.15 Eastern on FS1. Followed by our live postgame show on BYU TV. We are just about there and we are thrilled about it. Our next guest is one of the most decorated athletes in the history of BYU. Uh, and he wrote this, so I'm going to try to get it right. Just kidding. <laughs> we mentioned earlier that Kenneth Rooks is the reigning U.S. national champion in the steeplechase. Well, this man is a nine-time U.S. national champion, five-time BYU All-American, was ranked the number one steeplechase runner in the world in 1981, 82, and 85. It's our pleasure to welcome the Hall of Famer Henry Marsh to the Wise Guys, all the way from Twin Falls, Idaho, it's great to have you here. It is so good to be here. It's like this is my BYU family. You know, I watch you guys, and you guys are, are masters. And I remember Blaine. We were at, we, we were, were there together at time. It was like you were you were like ruling the world when when we well, were together. But, but I remember running into you at the University of Washington football game. Uh, we were at the gym at the hotel working out That's together. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, but it's just like I've gone through these memories. Yeah. You know, because I don't think I've been on a sports interview for 35 years. Really? <laughs> Which is crazy. Tonight's the night. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. so it's so much fun because I watch Sports Nation every day, and it's so good that you guys found time for Pitta. You know, so <laughs> I know Jer like Jeremy and Dennis have this thing going where they act like they actually yeah. really like each other. And that's it. That's it. That's it. But he goes, oh, sorry, we don't have time for Dennis. And, and, uh, and we go, we always have time for Dennis. And how about Henry coming down from, from Twin Falls? Elder Sikahema just bailed on us to come in on Zoom because he's got his birthday dinner. And, and Henry, all the comes, way in Salt Lake. Henry comes all the way down from Twin Falls and... And, uh, and jumps in with us here in studio. I'm so pumped about having you here. We, we got a lot of stories we want to dive oh into. Oh, my goodness. I, I started thinking about all these things that have happened, and there's so many things. Let's start with the news of the day. Okay. And Kenneth Rooks finishes 10th in Budapest in the world at the 3000 steeplechase. When I interviewed you for a Deseret News article, you thought, you know what? He might be able to take 10th. Uh, and he did take 10th. What, how big of a deal is it? Well, I mean, it's 10th in the world. That's not bad. No. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, that's hey, something, hey, right? Highest finishing American in the world championships. But you know, some, the most important thing is he now feels like he belongs. You have to experience it. Uh, it was his first international competition. You know what my first international competition was? I think it was the Montreal Olympics. Montreal Olympics. 76 right. Olympics. My very first one. You know what place I came in? 
10th. 10th. <laughs> you came in 10th. And so it was the same thing, you know. Uh, the only difference was at the at the time, I was only a second off the American record, and now the American record is down to eight flat. Yeah. You know, they, the times have changed. The shoes have made a tremendous difference. And So he's over in Budapest. What's it like running in Budapest because you've done that? I have run in Budapest. This is a brand-new stadium. But, you know, internationally, when you compete in Europe, those stadiums and the people – go crazy yeah. over track and field. It's a much bigger deal over there than it is in the United States. It's one of the most popular events. And so, uh, it, you know, the adrenaline. It's like uh, 84 Olympics in Los Angeles with the Coliseum packed with people. You know, just the, the energy and the vibe and everything else is incredible. So, uh, um, yeah. I saw Ed, Ed said that he felt like he maybe ran one race too many this year the last really? week. yeah that's what he said desert news i think he, it's a long season but yeah. uh, man my hat is off to him that he's got a great future um you know i went from 10th five years later i was number one in the world he could you know i think he's got that kind of progression what's impressed me was that he has made a big jump and when they make a big jump that's mean there's more to give you know it's not like he just barely broke some records and barely improved he Im- improved a lot and when somebody improves a lot, you know there's more there. And, and, and is steeplechase a sport where you, you do get better, a little bit better? It's not one of these things where, hey, when you're at 19, you're at your peak, right? This is, this is something where he can continue to get better. He still has a senior in college. He's got another year left to compete in the Big 12. Can, can he do what you did over the next five years? Can he improve that much like you did? Sure. Uh, the times are different today than when I was there, but uh, absolutely. He's young. I peaked at 31. 31. My fastest times uh, were th- was when I was 31 years old. Uh, 84 Olympics was I was 80. In my last Olympics, I was 34. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's got a long career in front of him, and he... Um, I'm very, very impressed with them. Did you think you would ever see an 803.53, which won it all today? Did you ever think you'd see that when you were running? Well, they ran in the 76 Olympics, 808 in that oh, final. Really? Yeah, that, that broke the world record, Yarder Root, uh, from Sweden. So, um, yeah, you know, my fastest, I got down to 809. Okay. So, it was ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, were you surprised? Did you think the time would be lower today for I, the championship? I thought they'd take off faster sooner. Really? It was slow the first few laps, which surprised me. Uh, and, that, and then they took off. Uh, but, you know, the world record was set 7.52 this year. Wow. And so, you know, as I, as I mentioned to you, I said, you know, I think Kenneth has a good shot of making the finals. He's still got a big gap until he gets up to the, you know, the medals, the podium part. Right, 16 seconds at you, least. Yeah. You, you talked about... A little bit. We're, we're um, talking strategy. Hey, it went out faster than I thought or went out slower than I thought because there is a lot of strategy in this. I was fascinated to hear Kenneth talk about um, in the U.S. championships when he stumbled over that first barrier um, that he came back and said, yeah, I thought of every scenario in my head. And if I had fallen early, this is what I was going to do. I was going to pace myself. If I fell late, this is what I was going to do. He had a plan for what he was going to do if he did that. And it became one of the most spectacular things I've seen in BYU sports ever. I mean, when you were preparing back in the day, did you think through it that much? Was there that much strategy to it? If I fall, this is what I'm going to do? Well, I'm glad that he did fall because it gave me a chance to be with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had to get back up. You exactly. Know? He, he did have to win, 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 but otherwise, you know. Um, <laughs> he said, well, let's talk to Henry about that. Um, no, you don't plan. You, you know, people that choke in athletics are the people that let negative thoughts in. Yeah. 
And if you let a negative thought in, it'll fulfill itself. And so in a way, I would never think I'm going to fall on a race. Uh, you know, that was foreign to me. But I did. You know, I hit a barrier, the last barrier in the world championships. Very first world championships in 83 in Helsinki, I hit the last barrier. Man. Um, and I was in second place when I hit it. Um, and I fell in my very first steeplechase BYU. You know, we used to have the track inside Lavella as right. our stadium. That's right. And I remember those days. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. And um, I, my very first steeplechase, I not only went in the water jump, I also hit a barrier. So, you know, those things happen. I could tell you so many false stories. In Olympic trials in Indianapolis, uh, Jim Dance, my, my cohort at KSL, yeah. uh, he uh, was calling the race. I, had, I got tripped up with 200 meters to go in my semifinal, and you had to be in the top, I can't remember, I think it's six, in order to make it to the final. Boy, you roll and you go quick, you know? Right. But, um, no, I don't, I don't think you ever, I think you pr prepare for the final of a race. Like, it's different taking that barrier to full sprint at the end of a race than it is during the race. Mm. And so you, you do those sort of things in practice. But uh, I thought it was pretty unique for him to say, yeah, I, I was preparing for a follower in the race and how I'd respond to it. Uh, I, that thought never entered that, my yeah, head. I, I, I thought that was crazy, yeah. but, but it works. It'll be in the movie script. Yeah, he, didn't, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't go out and then just try to catch everybody immediately. He had an idea in his mind, no, I just need to catch him by the last lap, and I'm going to beat him coming around. Okay, so I talked. When he broke my record, Ed and I got on the phone with him. We did a conference call. I yeah. said, And I told him, I said, Kenneth, you need to go look at my 83 World Championship race. And in that race... In the middle of the race, they took off really hard, and I was literally 20 meters behind the oh, pack. Wow. Yeah. And the commentators were making fun of me, saying, Surely Marsh is not going to win today, and he's running like an amateur. And, <laughs> and, but I knew my pace, and I was right on and spot on, and I got back up into the pace. And I talked to him about that, the exact same thing. And that's when he said, I went into Henry Marsh mode. That's, right. he, he, that's, what, that. he, that's he what he was talking so he's about. Talking about I'm, I'm not going to go get this back right now. Yeah. I'm just going to run my pace, my and eventually pace. I'll catch these guys. And if you look at his splits in that race, he was 66 every lap except the lap he fell, and he was 69 on that. Yeah. He hit the exact pace he should have every lap, and three seconds he lost on the lap he fell. Wow. But quite Strategic. a day. Amazing. Quite a day for Kenneth Rooks. BYU Hall of Fame runner Henry Marsh is on the Wise Guys. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. If you have a comment, for Henry, let us know on the live stream, and we'll pass it on to him. Uh, your running career actually began with a football story, and everyone's got football uh, I guess. all over the place, and it's that time of year. But you're in Richardson, Texas. You're the quarterback of the Northridge Junior High School football team. What happened? Oh, I got a story before that. I, you know, I, when he asked me to speak, I said, it's football season. You don't want me speaking about track. It's football <laughs> oh, we season. We love it all. So I'm going to talk about football That's today. That's right. So sixth grade, I grew up in Texas, in it Dallas. the biggest yeah. football and state So there you is, know right? football's a religion there. You know, at church, we had our headphones on and everything <laughs> else. But uh, sixth grade, we were I was on a team in Dallas. We were the city champions. And we played the uh, city champions from Oklahoma City in the annual Turkey Bowl in Highlander Stadium in Highland Park, Dallas. Sixth graders from Dallas are playing sixth graders <laughs> yeah, from Oklahoma. Football's big it, down it, there. Yeah. I'm playing split in. And we punt the ball, and I go running down the field. The other team fumbled it. I picked it up, and I ran 34 yards 
the wrong way. <laughs> oh, man. I had one yard for a touchdown, and I had the nickname Wrong Way Marsh. I was crying. Wrong way Marsh. I, I was crying at halftime and everything else, but we came back and won the game 7 nothing. so it turned out okay. <laughs> but, but then I was playing quarterback, what you're referring to. In ninth grade, you Ninth quarterback. grade, quarterback. We had, two, we had two LDS boys in my grade. We were the two quarterbacks. Oh. <laughs> and uh, my favorite play was the naked bootleg. Oh, <laughs> uh, but we were zero and ten that year. Yeah, so, oh, man. didn't work. Is out. that why you're like oh, forget football? I'm gonna go run track. So uh, I set a city record in, the, in my first year that I blossomed in running that year. So and football was after that season. It was like you know what? There's got to be something else. For yep, me. yep, yep. And it was track. It was track. <laughs> it was track. I broke a city record. And I thought that's what was. My family moved to Corpus Christi. And my seventh and tenth grade year, I uh, was seventh in the state of Texas in the mile and in cross country. A hurricane blew down our house. My family moved to Hawaii. Oh, by the way, in Dallas, you know who some of my neighbors were? Who? Lee Johnson, ah. Dave Fox. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I just go start thinking yeah. about all this family. Anyway, moved to Hawaii. And uh, then, you know, there, there wasn't the competition, so I stayed champion, you know. Uh, you were the only person running around yeah, the island? Yeah. So, I, anyway, uh, there's lots of stories. I, sure. I went to the junior National Junior Olympics, met Paul Cummings, who was going to go to BYU a yeah. year ahead of me. And Paul was, you know, he, unfortunately, he passed away. Yes. He, he drowned in Strawberry Lake. But amazing person and my hero and idol. But um, my graduating class at Punahou had four All-Americans at BYU. Really? Really? So, Who were the four? Okay, so here's your test. Yeah, Punahou's a good school. Four. We had a class of 400, and out of that 400, four, four all, all Americans, Americans at, at BYU. BYU, my graduating class. Mike Moss, baseball. Yeah. Marcus Conaheli, football. Mm-hmm. Malia Ane, volleyball. An, an, an A family, mm-hmm. you know, myself. So we had four wow. in my graduating class. And, and the cool thing was... That's why they don't like us over there in the island. <laughs> by the do- way, if you're watching Wise Guys <laughs> in the island, you know what we're talking about because for a while there, all their athletes came over here. Do you know, there, there was like a six or seven year span where Lavelle signed the, the Hawaii Football Player of the Year to come to BYU. Like six or seven years in a row, and that rivalry became oh, yeah. great because oh, yeah. of that. We got over there. They hated us. We kept taking their guys. Oh, yeah. We took four, four All-Americans out yeah, of Henry's class. Yeah, they don't class. like it. They, they don't, don't like, like it. that. Uh, it, it was awesome. But we, uh, So Punahou, I highly recommend high school in Hawaii. My father and Coach Robinson were both regional representatives. The church came out with this regional representative program at the time when we were in Texas, and, and he kept asking Coach Robinson, what does my son need to run in order to get a scholarship to BYU? <laughs> and so every regional rep- meeting, he would ask him. He said, well, he needs to run a 418 his junior year in high school. So I ran a 418, and I'll never forget the day Coach Robinson called me, um, our home in Hawaii, and offered me a half scholarship to run track at BYU. And that was my dream, because growing up in Dallas, there weren't very many LDS. And, I, and that was my dream. I, I did get offered from Stanford and Boise State and some yeah. other schools, but... It wasn't even a second thought, you know, wanted to come to BYU. So you go on your mission, and there's a running story on your mission, which really kind of sets you on course for greatness, that uh, that came after what? About a year and a half of not running at all? So, you know, at the time, I don't know if you remember this, Blaine, but at the time, they really discouraged the top athletes from going on missions. Yeah, we, we've talked about that a little bit. It wasn't, it, it wasn't like they said, hey, don't go. Right. But... 
It's okay if you don't because yeah. you can do more good for right. the church. Right. There was yeah. a lot so of that conversation. So Giff Nelson, I would always talk about, and we would hang out with Terry Bell, who was a sports mm-hmm. writer. Do you remember Terry? Yeah, Terry? I remember Terry. At the sports editor daily. You know, oh, we can go through so much history. Yeah. Anyway, um, and but they encouraged me to go on one. <laughs> <laughs> they said, you beat it. I didn't, uh, I didn't we can't let, use you right now. Go on a mission. I didn't <laughs> let her my freshman year. Yeah. I didn't let her in cross I didn't make the traveling squad in cross country. I was one spot away, and I missed... A lettering and track by one spot. I go on my mission, and and we, you know, Brazil. It took a long time to get our visas to go to Brazil. Right. So we spent three months in the in the mission training center here in uh, Provo, and we go to the football games. They had a, a missionary section at the football yeah. games. And Those rules really have changed. Yeah. yeah. Rules have changed. Rules have changed. And I ran in the school turkey trot, and as a missionary, as a missionary, and I won the race. I had this LDS t-shirt on and the next day in the daily universe it had a picture of it in the caption elder marsh where's your companion <laughs> oh man <laughs> he, he wasn't at the finish line so i went a year on my I went to brazil went a year without running a step and put on 25 pounds i thought about this because when rook said he put on 25 pounds it dawned on me i wonder if that was beneficial hmm. to get out of shape and put the weight on and then take it back off mm-hmm. and i asked a trainer that last week and he said, yes, because it builds your bone density and other things. And um, I thought it was pretty fascinating. Anyway, that's another topic. So your body adapts to the extra 25 pounds. And then you come back and drop the 25 pounds. But your tendons and ligaments and bones are now strengthened by the extra 25. It's like running with a 25-pound weight well, vest and on. You know, I do know that the East Germanys, and we could talk forever about running behind communist China and communist China, right. East Germany and everything else. They had all of their top women get pregnant. Because they were better after they had a child. Is really? that right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, that's a, we got off topic, but did I get off topic? But, yeah, no, no, so, but, but, but you, in Brazil, so you Brazil, put on 25 pounds. put on 25 pounds. And then my last six months, we were out tracking Belo Horizonte, and I run across this um, uh, track club. And I asked my mission president, can I run with them? And he said, yes. And so I started running with them and, and ran in the Brazilian club championships. And I came in second place to the Brazilian. And it was outside my mission. My mission president let me go. And in those last six months. If I hadn't, I would, because I went to the Olympics 11 months later. Did you, so did you drop the 25 yeah. you put on while you were running with the club? Just about. I don't think I totally did. I came back and found out I had a worm, and I think that helped get it back off. Yeah, that'll but, drop weight quick. <laughs> but, uh, but that'll drop the weight like but, crazy. But if he hadn't, I don't think I would, because I, uh, that year, in March of 1976, my fastest steeplechase was 9 minutes and 25 seconds. Wow. It, that's March, April, May, June, July, August. Five months later, I came in tenth in the Olympics and ran eight twenty three nine. That's it, impossible. I mean, it, it, it's it, crazy. It was a mirac- it was a miraculous year. And if we had time, I could go through a lot of detail on it. Before but, we get, we have a couple of Olympic questions for you. But okay. before we get to the Olympics, you come home in your first race, and um, and you go get a great time. You qualify for the NCAA's. Then you go to the NCAAs and you qualify for the Olympics. Now you're on the plane ride home. You don't even have a scholarship. You're you're a walk-on. They didn't even give you a scholarship yet. And you run into Coach Robinson on the plane. Tell us about that. I was on the plane. After the NCAAs, I came in second in the NCAA. I was the top American. Back in my day, we had the world record holder in our race. I mean, that's when the Kenyans ran in the NCAA. They weren't off that. And so the NCAA record is set by Henry Rona, who I ran against. Mm -hmm. Uh, He ran 805 as a collegiate. So uh, I'm a walk-on on on the team because I'm a nobody. And 
the coach, after I came in second, Coach Robinson, who's one of my all-time favorite people, yeah. uh, he pulled me aside, Henry, have you thought about the Olympics? And I said, who, me, coach? Uh, the one who's not on scholarship? <laughs> well <laughs> I got played. A, I got a full ride. Yeah, yeah I hope so. I, got I hope a, so. Full, you had a full ride before the plane full, landed? Full ride before the plane landed. <laughs> and uh, two weeks later, made my first Olympic team, ran 827 again, and uh, pinching myself and go to the Mo Montreal Olympics or uh, roommate with Bruce Jenner. Oh, I got to tell you about, uh, you were talking about tight ends. Yeah. Everything brings up a story. Right. So Chris Smith is a really close friend of our family. So I've done a lot of stuff with Chris. Ty Detmer's tight I, I did mention Chris. Chris you you mentioned it. That's what made me think yeah. of it. So he's coming. He sat with us at BYU football games. Mm -hmm. and, and then Andrew George. Do you know who his father is? Brother George. <laughs> Mr. George. His name is Richard George. He was an Olympic javelin thrower. Richard and I oh, made the you Olympics. Know what? I did know that. Andrew spent a lot of time at our home. He's a teammate of my oldest son, Kellen. Andrew can do so the best. So his dad threw the javelin? His, yeah, his dad was an his Olympian. His dad, Richard, and I made the Olympic team the same day. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I forgot Andrew's dad was an Olympian, but yeah, I did know Yeah, Richard that. George. And yeah. then he went off to Harvard MBA school yep. and then moved to Colorado. But um, So all the tight end stories. I was thinking, oh, Gordon Hudson. When I was working at KSL, you know, I was a sports reporter. That's why right. I love watching you guys and watching your, you know, how you do things. Because I had a blast with Paul James, yeah. if anybody remembers him. Oh, oh everybody yeah. remembers everybody. Paul. Paul James. And he, he wrote a story in Cougar Tales. If we had time, I'd tell you about it. I got that book. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, go, East Germany trip we took. It was a hoot. Okay. Uh, but, uh, and then... Uh, uh, Steve Cyphers, uh, Craig Bowlerjack, and Jim Nance. Mm -hmm. right. So I was Great with, Nan and with yep. Nance, and Nance would always say, if I'm not network by 29, I'm out of this business. <laughs> But that guy was phenomenal. Yeah, he was what good. a great guy. But anyway, so I got All those guys had great careers. Um, yeah. So what were we talking about? So, <laughs> so, so you, you are, you're now on scholarship. After, but I want to go back to, to, to the 76 Olympics in Montreal. Um, prior to your run... You notice there's this whole group of fans that are pulling for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> which is a little bit crazy because you don't know anybody in Montreal. Like, what's the story behind that? Like, why, and what, why are these people pulling for you? I got to tell you, it's so cool to wear that USA jersey. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's just such a thrill. And so uh, we go into Montreal, and the minute you walk in the opening ceremonies, everybody's, USA walks in, everybody's going crazy. Well, I was the only American in the Olympic final, the steeplechase in 76, and so I didn't know anybody. My mom was there. My dad was mission president in Venezuela at the time, so he couldn't come. Mm. But my mom was there, and uh, I heard all these people yelling for me, and it dawned on me. I said, I don't know anybody. And then I remembered. McDonald's had a promotion at the time where they gave out Olympic uh, coupons that had an Olympic event on it. And if an American got a gold medal in an event you had a coupon for, you got a free Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> and if they got a silver medal, you got shakes and fries. And so they're all behind the... I they're, knew that everybody so had the steeplechase coupon was rooting for me. <laughs> so it put a lot of pressure on a young kid. But uh, it, it's the same thing that Rooks went through today. It, it made you feel like, okay, I've been there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's going to do great things in the future. You've been there, but... So yes, you run... At, the, at those Olympics, you run the fastest time in U.S. history... You finished 10th at 82399, and then Rooks today finishes 10th at the Worlds at 81678. 820 today. Right, 820 today. That's right. That's right. I've just said that. So, um, three seconds, three seconds apart after all these years. Yeah. Here's what I'm told, and, you, uh, and I don't want this to sound like sour grapes or anything because it's not, but 
I'm told the new technology in the shoes make three seconds a mile difference. I think iStone told me that. Wow. Really? Uh, and so, Are they just bouncier? They give yeah. you more. Like, so they give more re, re, yeah. re What is that called? They, they have more, rebound bounce. And so, in the steeplechase, probably six seconds. Wow. These new shoes. I was up at the BYU Oregon game, uh, and we went to the Nike store. And uh, Danny Ainge was in there, so Danny and I were talking. And I was showing Danny these shoes. Danny went and bought a pair. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he's uh, still looking for speed. But but no, they make a huge difference. Uh, Doug. Uh, Doug Robinson wrote a story about Desert News you could read, uh, but tremendous difference uh, yeah. in the times. But it's uh, a, you, you mentioned you mentioned Danny, um, Dave and I were thinking about back at, at our time when we were there when we were at BYU, and 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 you think through it. So you got Danny Ainge playing basketball. This is a team that's going to the Elite Eight with a bunch of NBA guys on that team. And Steve Trumbull wasn't an NBA guy, but he was the biggest star in Europe playing in Spain. So basketball's off the charts. Gift Nielsen, you know, Mark Wilson, Jim McMahon is during that that time oh, yeah. that, that they're around. Um, Elaine Michaelis and, and Courtney Leishman have Tina Gunn Robinson, who's an All-American and a Hall of Famer in basketball. Uh, Glenn Tuckett and, and Gary Pollins. They, they've got Morris and and uh, Dane Orge and Vance Law and all these guys on on the baseball team. Corey Snyder and Wally Joyner. My freshman year, my freshman year, Kreshmer Chosik. Yeah, I was like, <sighs> people ask me, "Whoa!" You start. To, they go. What in the world? That was like Camelot back then oh, yeah. for BYU. What was that like being at BYU during that okay, time? Okay, I got a question for you. And this I consider maybe, I'm biased, but maybe the greatest event in BYU sports history. And it was the 1984 Olympic trials. And you know what happened? The 84 trials? Is that was Fredericks? 84 Olympic trials. No, no, Frankie's US, younger, US, older than that. No, Frankie's not U.S. Okay. U.S. Olympic trials. BYU athletes swept the distance races. In the 84 Olympic trials? Steeplechase, 5,000 meters, Doug Padilla, 10,000 meters, Paul Cummings. Paul Cummings, wow. wow. We won all the distance races won by BYU athletes in the 84 Olympic trials. See, and I used to hang out with these guys because, you know, we didn't have that big of a training room in the hot tub, the jacuzzi wasn't <laughs> yeah. that big. And you know what? You could fit Doug Padilla, Paul Cummings, <laughs> even Ed was skinny back in those days, and Henry, I could get in there with those. You could only put two offensive linemen in there, but you could sit in there with five track guys. So yeah. these were my guys. What, what, what was it like? What was it like on campus with all those names and all but those But you know sports. something? Back then, there wasn't the publicity. We didn't have Sports Nation. We didn't have the internet. Nobody knew who you were. I walked around campus. Nobody knew me. Uh, when I, I, I knew him. Let's, let's 80, crack that. 80, I knew who okay. I was up at Orem High uh, okay. School. I didn't, know what, Cat, I didn't know either of you guys. Catch this. 84 Olympics. People wanted to congratulate me. You know how they did it? Telegrams. So you had telegram. Tele 84. Yeah. That was telegram. We didn't have cell phones in 84. No. We didn't even have live sports on ESPN no. you know, until you know people, 84. You know when people go call me like this and they do like this? We didn't even have that. Like that. Now it's just hang loose, straight hang loose. Hang loose. Okay. I got to tell you a couple. I know we don't have a lot of time. I got to tell we you a couple, a couple stories um, from football, football stories. So after the Miracle Bowl, mm -hmm. who was the nose tackle for SMU? Uh, Reuben Carter. No. But oh, Michael a, Carter. Michael Carter. Michael Carter. Yeah, Michael Carter. Michael, is that crazy I remember that? Michael Carter. That is a little crazy. He's, made, a, he's Olympic disc and shot. Player. He made the U.S. Uh, a U.S. Uh, it wasn't the Olympic team I was with him, I was, but one of the national teams. And I saw my Don and I go, Michael. 
Holiday Bowl. And he just goes, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he was one of the top. Oh, I, with Michael, if he says shut the up, shot was shut his, up. The shot put was his forte, right? He's one of the top shot putters in the shot, world, right? Yeah, yeah. Playing nose. I remember when he was playing playing for them back yeah, in those classic. days. Okay, so when, I'll get, get another quick story. I'm thinking of some stories. So I'm working at KSL, and I'm doing reports, and I'm going to interviewing athletes and everything else. So I'm supposed to interview Bosco. Yeah. I come down to BYU. He runs away. He's running through the locker rooms trying to get away so because he didn't want to get interviewed. Yeah, Robbie didn't love to be interviewed. We had him on the show for like an hour. Yeah, he's changed <laughs> his tune now. now. Uh, and then you had, and I think I told you about this one, Steve Young uh, and, and Jim Nance were doing a pregame. I forget what game it was. It was around that 84, 85 time. It was a big game. They're down the field doing the pregame. Yeah, they went down on the field and did it. I remember this. I'm up. I'm working at KSL at the time. I'm up in the booth. I'm doing all the stats and everything. Mm-hmm. And so the game starts, and they're nowhere. They're stuck in the elevator. Do and you I got, this? I, yeah. got, I got a live mic in front of me, <laughs> and they're stuck, and the game started. And I did. Oh, I was going, should I do it? Should I do it? <laughs> And you know you want to do it. And I know I wanted to. On the screen that said audio difficulties. Uh, <laughs> and Spence Kennard comes up. He was the boss at the time. Yeah. He comes up and he starts calling the yeah, game. Yeah, well, Spence it, was the voice of uh, um, music and spoken word at that right, time. Right, as well. right, right. Good so, man. Good man. Yeah, he's the one that hired. Those guys got stuck in the elevator. He's the one that hired. Y'all, they got stuck in the elevator. And I'm up there with a live mic <laughs> doing stats and stuff. But at the time, um, that was back in the days of Bill Marcroft. Yeah. yeah. And Marcroft Bill, and Paul James and that, that whole crew. Mark Legends. He pushed me hard to go to Channel 2 to work with him. Uh, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm loyal. You made <laughs> the right decision. He's a KSL guy. It's, it's, you, th- you talk about some of the, you talk about Czech, uh, Kresmir Chosic and, and all these people that we just mentioned. There's been some tremendous athletes to come through BYU over the years, and you've witnessed it all. You were oh, there yeah, for a big oh, yeah. time. You witnessed it all. Is there, who's the greatest athlete in BYU history? Danny Page. You, you think Danny's the greatest? Danny's amazing. Yeah, but Danny, it didn't take I, lo- you. I loved your interview with him too. I went yeah. back. So fun. I didn't know about the wise guys, and what a great name. But and and I was, so I've gone back and looked at interviews, and Tom Homo was phenomenal. Oh, Danny so Ainge was Danny Ainge was phenomenal. But here's somebody else that I went to school with, Alema Harrington. Alema Punaho. Punaho. Yeah, he was a little Alema kid on the Tal- track team. He was on the JV track team when I was. Running. Alema was running track. Yeah, and his dad, you know, was famous. Al. Oh, yeah. Al he would, in the he South would show up. Man. Some, he would show up sometimes at the track, and so Al played uh, Ben Kakua on Hawaii Five O on the old oh, series. Yeah, 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 Their yeah. dad, and he was, and then he had a down on Lure Street um, in the Polynesian Palace. He had a show that ran for years oh, yeah. there. One of those oh, famous yeah. people we, in the We've had Alema on the show. Yeah, Alema's been on with us. And, and I just saw Tao, his brother, the other day at the scrimmage. Yeah, so, 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 so Alema and I go way back to Punahou, and he was just a little runt on the JV track team back then. 1981, you are the number one steeplechase runner in the world. What does it feel like to be the best in the world at something. Uh, you know, it's so bizarre to me because in 1976, we're going to the Mount Sac Relays, and I'm next on a bus going to, I'm next to Jay Sylvester. Jay Sylvester at one time held the world record in the discus. He was an Olympic medalist. L.J. Sylvester. L.J. Sylvester. And I asked Jay, L.J., because I'm a walk-on nobody. What's it like to be number one in the world? I asked him that. Yeah. Because it was mind-boggling. What did he say? Mind-boggling to me. Uh, And I don't even remember his answer so much as I was just so stunned to think about it. And then there was one year, more 1985 more than 1981, 
I knew there was nobody on the planet that could beat me. I went undefeated that year, set the American record, ran my sub four-minute mile and everything else. And it was just bizarre. It's the most bizarre feeling. Did, did you ever just step back and go, I'm the fastest person in the world at this distance? And what? This year, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but did you, like, did you actually weird. step back out of yourself and go, that's crazy. No, I pinched myself. And I, and I can promise you this, and I, I, I won't try to get too spiritual right now, but... I, I, there was a hand in my life, my you're, whole life. You're allowed to get spiritual on this show. Okay. My, when I was one, um, I was at my grandfather's house who had shingles. My mom was cooking for him. I go in the backyard. I fall in his fish pond. He lived up in Federal Heights in Salt Lake. Something prompted him to get out of bed and go in the backyard. He pulled me out and saved my life. Mouth to mouth. I they did resuscitation. I was given a blessing by his home teachers, uh, Spencer Kimball and Harold B. Lee. Oh, wow. That was his home teacher? <laughs> he was in the, first, in the 12. Yeah. Those are, and I was given a blessing at that time. And I was a blue baby. And I, I, I look back and I, I see so many things in my life where it, it wasn't me. You know, things and the hand of the Lord has been in my life so much. And I see it in Ken's life. Yeah. You know, and, and we, a lot of times we just don't recognize it. But the, when you get older and you look back, you see it a lot more. Uh, and Coach Robinson, in se- before the 76 Olympics, he took me to the church office building and had them give me a blessing. Really? Um, so, um, yeah. So there's a lot. It, it was a miraculous year, but um, my dad had all the missionaries praying for me all that year because he's mission president of Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah. To, to make the Olympics, uh, what, nine months removed from a mission. Yeah. And, and we see athletes come now, and, and Kalani's figured it out that if, if an athlete comes home in the summer, he's not playing in the fall because of a hamstring or a knee. They get hurt, and so they try to give them a year to get their body back, and then they come charging back. But, but you, you, uh, you go right to the Olympics. You know, it's different sports. Yeah, I'm sure it's different adaptation. Uh, and I had, as I said, that's the, I don't know why I was given that opportunity to run in Brazil. If I hadn't, I wouldn't have made the Olympics that year. Um, and so I had some preparation. And a lot of things happened that year. I changed my foot strike. I changed my hurdling techniques, improved them, um, my running style. And, and a lot of things that happened that would not have happened if I hadn't gone on a mission. And so um, I just, uh, you know, I count my blessings. I, I still don't comprehend it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm just, I'm Joe... You know, ordinary Joe. Yeah, that's, he's, I, I don't, he's, I don't, he's never been that. T- I don't. T- I, don't, yeah. I, don't com- I don't comprehend it. I was. I was a nobody on BYU's team. My freshman year, they didn't. They didn't give me a scholarship my second year, and to have that happen, I, I, I still blows my mind. I don't understand it. BYU Hall of Fame runner Henry Marsh on the Wise Guys tonight in our Provo studio, two hundred and sixty-one miles from his home in Twin Falls, <laughs> Idaho. Right. Unbelievable. So, well, wait, wait. My granddaughter had a tennis match. I know you after, were down. I know you were But down. it got canceled because of the rain. Oh, that's right. That's right. So how many, how many miles do you think you've run over the course of your life? Uh, see, one of the reasons I ran for so long, I, had, I was 13 years straight in the top 10 in the world. And it was because I was very, and everybody laughed at my workouts. Because I heard you interview, or somebody interviewed Ken Rooks, and he said he does about 70 miles. I did like 55 miles a week, a week. which is very low, for, uh, but I was very specific. I had some great mentors. You know, my coach was Bill Bowerman, 
and we could talk a lot about Bill Bowerman, and I knew Phil Knight because Nike was handing shoes out of the back of a car right. back then. Right. So I've sat with Phil Knight at basketball games, and he was a big track athlete, and and Bowerman. It would make my shoes, and that's a whole other story we could talk about sometime. But um, how did I get off on that? We're talking about how many miles you've run I mean, in your life. Also, Bowerman. Bowerman was <laughs> he. He had the sage advice at the time. I didn't understand it. But now I totally understand it. He said, after every workout, you should feel like you could do a little bit more. And that kept you from breaking down. And he was very modern in his approach. He was very big on date, goal pace, and those sort of things. And so because I was a lower mileage, I'm a heavier set person and very specific. Bowerman said, uh, he would say, Henry, don't run hills. I've never seen a hill on a track. (laughs) (laughs) He's talking about um, position-specific training, right? Yeah. And so, like, we wouldn't weight lift. Why would I want to put on, you know, build more pecs and have arms like, you know, this guy here? Because it doesn't help my run. Old guy arms. Old guy arms. It doesn't help you run faster. And it's excess weight. So we were very specific. Long run Monday, distance intervals Tuesday, light Wednesday, speed Thursday, light Friday, race simulation Saturday. And I always took Sunday off. And I did six days a week, 11 months out of the year, two days, two workouts a day. And I, and I tell people, I never missed. So I did six ordin- days a week, two workouts a day for how many straight years? Oh, I was 13 years in the top 10 in the world. Um, well, that's how you, that, that was after college. That's how you get the top in the world, and most people won't do that. It's, it's, it's doing ordinary things consistently that give you extraordinary results. It's that simple. And i got to write that down. Anybody, Say that again, because that is something to live by. So doing ordinary, ordinary things, things consistently over time give you extraordinary results. And that's the habits we form. Yeah. And, you know, you can apply it to anything in life. Um, but I love that. I, I didn't do ordinary. I did ordinary workouts. There's guys that would do. Paul, <laughs> the coach up at Weber State now, um, Paul Pilkington was a, on the national team in, in marathon and stuff. I go work out with Weber State. I'd only do it twice a week because our workouts were so hard. I do my workout and then he kept going, you know. And so they laughed at my workouts, but it was the right thing for me, yeah. and it created longevity. It worked out. And, and, and yeah. the number of miles and all that's really specific. Like I, I'm trying to remember the guys that we were around back in those days. Like I think Doug Padilla probably didn't do as many miles and did a little more speed work. Ed Stone could run forever and just run people into the ground and did a high mileage. Two different things, similar Doug, results, Doug, right? Doug was my training partner. Doug I owe so much to. Doug is one of the most amazing people in the world. We traveled Europe together every year. We've traveled the world together. I could give you so many Doug Padilla stories when the KGB was chasing us in Moscow, <laughs> when we got called up on a flight from Sydney to L.A. because Doug had run an extension cord from our 8-track player into the laboratory. And the pilot wanted to talk to us about it. I mean, we, we have so many stories. And he was with me when Paul James, we were competing in Karl Markstadt against the East Germans. We had to go through Checkpoint Charlie. But let me, I'm thinking about just one thing and then I'll shut up. But uh, that is my favorite race of all time was 1979 Spartakiad in Russia. It's the only time they let Western athletes in the Russian national championship because they're getting ready for the 80 Olympics. Yeah. And of which they were. We boycotted. Boycotted. We boycotted. And and at the time I was on the uh, chair of the athletes advisory council on the U S Olympic committee. I controlled 20% of the vote. I was flown to the white house. Sabrinsky was trying to 
persuade me to get the athletes to vote to it's a whole nother story but so in that race i won the race and afterwards i went up in lenin stadium in the heart of moscow in the midst of the cold war and they played our national anthem mm. and it's it still gives me chills maybe for the first time uh and probably the only time. And probably the only We did time. go back for the Goodwill Games. I sat with Ted Turner in the stands yeah. uh, in, I think that was 83. Um, but so, I mean, you appreciate what we have. And it's, uh, it's so sad what's going on in this country right now because people don't appreciate what we have. And you go, you go behind the Iron Curtain, you appreciate. I had athletes try to defect. I had one guy, Marker Garber in Koblenz. Every year he'd come up to me in the warm-up area, he's a steeplechaser, he had a Statue of Liberty in his hand and go to his heart. Every year, he'd come to me and do that. Mm. Uh, and we had one guy, uh, one of the discus throwers from Germany. He was a gold medalist. Uh, Wolfgang Schmidt, I think was his name. And he was, had showed too many Western tendencies with our athletes, and they put him on a potato farm to pick potatoes. The Russian athletes, when I was competing in the Spartakiad, we were under the Olympic Stadium. They would talk to me. As soon as we got in public, they couldn't be seen. Nothing else. Yeah. with me. Um, you, you just don't realize what we have in this country until you've experienced that. Till you get outside of it. I was telling Dave, um, we were in Croatia just a, like last month, and and people forget that Croatia was under communist rule until 1996. They won the Serb-Croatian War and became part of NATO. And I was really taken back at how pro-American and how grateful they were for their individual freedom and. They just really, really valued it and really were grateful for it, their opportunity to be free. And, and I agree with that. I think sometimes we take that for granted here. Absolutely. You know, we, don't, we don't understand what it took, the prices that were paid to provide that. And you got that. You got to see that firsthand by being on the international scene and competing with athletes that didn't have those same freedoms. Yeah. A couple more questions for the great Henry Marsh, and then we're going to hit you up with five questions you're not prepared for. So okay. that's yeah, coming right. up. But. BYU is now in the Big 12, and uh, the running program is Big 12 ready. Uh, the athletic department, which you followed since you participated in it and was a fan before uh, as a kid growing up, but how excited are you for Big 12 competition across the board for BYU? Oh, I'm so excited. I, I got to tell you something. My daughter was a cheerleader at BYU for three years, and I had two boys that played tennis at BYU. Uh, we've done endowed scholarship. We got four endowed family scholarships for BYU: two track, one tennis, one cheerleading. Nice. We're we're BYU family. And when my daughter was cheerleader, I would go to the games. She would travel. So I've been to Notre Dame, Mississippi, uh, uh, TCU when David Nixon played. Yeah. yeah, I was at that game. Uh, just name it. Go down the list, and it was so much fun. So it was in independence and traveling like that. It is kind of how I anticipate. We've already got, um, we're taking a, nine of us, my sons and grandsons, to the Kansas game, the first oh, one. Good. We've already got our tickets. It's going to be Jets that could be a lot of that. that could be a lot of points in that game. So we've already got our tickets for that nice. one. We're going to stay and uh, and go to the Kansas City game the next day. Good. Go see the Chiefs. Go Andy. see the Chiefs. I'm sorry about Sabbath day. But anyway. Hey, uh, <laughs> sometimes the ox is in the mire. Uh, or Andy's team's playing. Yeah, yeah so, um, but, um but it's it's just, it's part of the family. Yeah, and I have good friends at those. I have a very close friend who's a big Oklahoma State booster, you know. So we've already started talking, and and to have the Arizona schools back in Colorado and Utah. Yeah, that's tradition. Uh, yeah. You know, there are a lot of people that are saying, "Oh, I hope they don't let Utah." I said, "No, let Utah in." 
That's what this is all about. Sports is about, you know, the competition. Yeah. It's not, yeah, you want to win, but if you lose, it's not the end of the day. It's the competition, it's the excitement, it's the striving. And people lose sight of that. And that's what's sad, but the sporting event is, you know, amazing, uh, you know. I'll never forget Andrew George, you know. And, and yeah. the, the, Dennis was talking about that play with Andrew in overtime. Overtime, right? and the best part about it was the two Utah defenders hit each other. <laughs> yeah. um, but, those, but I'm excited about so the So how 12. do you think they'll do? How do you think football will be? Yeah, football is the, you know, the big one that everybody's looking at. How do you think they're going to do this first year? You know something? Look at their, look at their, pack, their Power 5 record. You know, and yeah. that's probably indicative. Well, you mean you talk about their Pac-12 championship two years ago? Well, the, the, that was, <laughs> so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they won. You know, they went four and five. You know, in in the Big Twelve in this the year. Big 12? Yeah. yeah. And um, so maybe maybe uh, a couple of wins early. You think you can get to six, seven wins? But they could because the games will be close. Yeah. yeah. And as if the ball bounces the right way, and I've seen it bounce the right way. You know. I think, you know, the Mississippi game, who was it that intercepted a pass or fumble? Kyle Van Noy Cam caused the fumble and recovered it. Recovered it, and, uh, and then he did it against San Diego State. And, you know, you have, you have a play that makes it. It's like when we did the Hail Mary against Nebraska or, yeah. or Boise State, you know, uh, the Miracle Bowl. Yeah. You, you just, uh, the games will be so close that they're going to be won or lost on a couple of plays, just like TCU last year. Yeah. And, and so you could easily be seven. You could easily get... Seven wins this year. Even eight. Our, our, Even uh, eight. If, you, if the ball bounces the right way, or it could be four or five, you know. Right. Our over-under that we've set as a show is seven. We've said seven's a reasonable amount. And that doesn't mean they, they're not going to go win six or, or, or five or eight or nine. But we feel like seven's a good spot. And if they win seven this first year, that'd be good oh, yeah. in this transition. I agree. So that's our over-under that we've set is seven. I agree. So Yeah, seven, seven's a very good year for them this year. Yep. So. Let's uh, let's finish with this one before Blaine gets after you for, okay. for yeah, five I'll quick give you ones. My, I'll give you the okay. five quick ones. Uh, as an expert, and you are an expert on this one, um, in what ways is running the steeplechase a metaphor for life? You know, that's a great question, and and I love that question because I always looked at the barriers as opportunities. In life, we all have barriers, and it's the people who look at them as opportunities rather than challenges that succeed. And so the barriers gave me the advantage. Um, and if you go on to go into detail, I ran my, my flat race, flat 3,000 without any barriers, was 20 seconds faster than my steeplechase time. Everybody else is 30 or 40 seconds. Mm. Uh, so I use the barriers as opportunity, as my advantage. And in life, it's that way. We're here in life to have troubles and, and sure. challenges and yeah. strifes and and fall down. Um, but it's the people that look at that as, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's why I'm here. Guess what I've just learned from that rather than, oh, man, I'm horrible. And, and if it's like next time something bad happens to you, it's like, yes, I get to learn another lesson because we lose the big picture. What's the big picture of life? The big picture of life is we came down here to experience. If you, and you only know what you experience in life. My dad used to say, you're the sum total of your experiences. Right. And, and it's about the experience you have in life. And the more experience. I have a special needs son. If I didn't have that special needs son, I wouldn't have empathy like I do for special needs kids. Right. But I experienced it. And so the challenges we, we have, the more challenges, the more experience, um, man, the better off we are. And so the steeplechase, and we look at that as an opportunity, as an advantage, 
rather than a setback, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well said by See, Ron I'm, I'm, Ray Marsh. Got, Henry's got me, yeah, wrong way back in sixth grade. Wrong way Marsh. Has been wrong way since sixth grade. Wrong way Marsh. I've got a whole page of quotes from Henry Marsh right now that I'm loving. I'm loving it. Let's so. get to the, the brass taxes here. Let's find out something about yeah, Henry Marsh. These are five don't questions. Know. You're not allowed to even think about them. You just answer what comes to your head. Okay. So, your favorite sports movie? <laughs> it's easy. It's the one I'm in. Oh, what's. 16 Days Glory. Oh, my gosh. That's Bud, awesome. Bud Greenspan did all the official Olympic movies. After the 83 Worlds. I forgot about that. 83 Worlds where I hit the last barrier. He came up to me after that race and he said, Henry, you're going to be part of the 84 Olympic film. He told me in 83 I was going to be part of it. He didn't know that in 84 Olympics I was going to collapse at the end of the race and be carried off on a stretcher and everything else. And then I went on tour with him. We were doing, showing the movie because Peter Vidmar's in there, who's a very yeah. close friend. Um, opening ceremonies 84. We were next to Mary Lou, and, he, and, and she had Mary uh, Lou uh, Redden. Yeah, well, anyway, that's, that's, anyway, so um, uh, so I went and toured with him, and he was always, you know, you had to have the highs and the lows. Mine was the low, yeah. and the highs, you know, to balance it out. <laughs> the contrast in the movie, them. right? Exactly. So <laughs> 16 <laughs> days of glory. Hey, everybody out there and, and out following, make sure you go see 16, 16 days, days of glory. 16 days. But you know, my favorite football films. And, and it was before this all happened this last week, but Blindside. Blindside. Oh, yeah, I like the Blindside. Sandra Bullock was amazing. And Tim McGraw. Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw, right? Yeah. yeah. And Brenda loves Tim McGraw. That's it's like, that's okay. She can love Tim McGraw. My wife's like, Tim McGraw's not an actor. And I go, there he is right there. She's right there. I love that story, that movie. Yeah. Sandra, Sandra Bullock is phenomenal. Yeah, all, she, all that movie. So 16 so. Days of Glory starring yeah. part two. Henry Marsh. It's 16 days. He did two part movies. Two. Yeah, part two. Part okay. two. I love it. Favorite singer or band? It's a favorite singer. Band. By the way, we just posted 16 Days of Glory nice. on our YouTube channel. <laughs> Thanks, Good thanks job, Jack. Jack. Way to go, buddy. Um, well, the one that I've seen the most in concert would be Elton John. Oh, has anybody said Elton John yet? No, I don't think so. I saw Elton John He's at the Marriott Center, the I'm Still Standing tour, oh. back when concerts would come I'm through. Still I've, seen him, I've seen him in L.A. Coliseum with... Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, that did Layla. Um, Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. I saw yeah. with Eric Clapton. Then he was with. Don't mess with me. I'm music man. Uh, and then he was at the uh, Delta Center with Billy Joel. Wow. And then I've seen him in uh, uh, Caesar's Palace. Oh, yeah. But he's he's amazing. So Elton John I, I, is I probably awesome. have that's, to go with Elton. A, that's a great one. How I saw a Caesar show too. That was fantastic. Yeah. The Red Piano, I think it was. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. Exactly. But all those guys, Journey, and all the ones back in those days, hard classics. And, and, yep. Yeah, they're great. So, okay, your favorite breakfast cereal. Well, you know, my mom growing up gave us whole wheat mush. Oh, no. Uh, no, no, excuse me. Indian mush. Indian mush? My, my mom was a nutritionist. But you didn't like it. I did like it. It, it was like the kernels <laughs> of wheat, not, not broken up, but the whole kernel, and it's called Indian mush. And there, it's are, there are horror stories you know made of that. that. That's how you become number one in the world. But she made it with honey. You eat Indian mush honey with honey. And stuff. Oh, my mom, she was phenomenal. And, you know, her dad was... It was in the first presidency, so yeah. she's she's raised pretty well, but she, she would make this. We did a science experiment. My older brother, sixth grade in Dallas, and she took mice and she gave one mouse, one group of mice, just milk, another one just wheat, another one wheat and milk, and then my brother had to weigh them every day and then feed them and see how their health went. Um, he won all of Dallas Science Fair with that. Who who won? Who gained the most weight? 
Well, here's the thing. The one that was supposed to gain the most weight should have been milk and wheat was pregnant. Uh, <laughs> that excuse, the, that excuse the results. That's, that messed up so you're going with uh, Indian mush? Indian mush. It, yeah. Well, I mean, we've had 64 makes, podcasts and we've Kyle, never had that, that one. That makes Kyle Van Noy feeding his children protein smoothies for breakfast Indian not mush. sound that bad. Yeah, we're going to talk about this one okay, for shows. Indian, okay. Indian, Indian mush. mush. Indian mush. All right. your, your favorite place to run in the world. Because you've run all Ooh, over the world. Well, Priest Trails and Eugene's the first thing because I went to law school, you know, in Eugene. Right. And you, you know, in, in the 80, I was in law school during the 80 Olympic trials. And I was the only American that broke an American record in the 80 Olympic trials and got the outstanding male performer of the 80 Olympic trials over Carl Lewis, all of them. Uh, and I was in law school that week. Anyway, I don't know why I thought that. But Priest Trails... That are, makes you the fastest attorney known to man. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> Frank Shorter was an attorney. He was pretty good. Um, Priest Trails, and then all the trails over in Europe. Uh, Sweden, outside the Olympic Stadium in Sweden, where you do warm us and these beautiful trails. But I love the, the, the sawdust, uh, you know, the wood bark trails mm -hmm. in the forest. Yeah, you love, love running those. Um, do, are you still running? I, I'm having knee surgery next month uh, with a uh, knee replacement. Uh, That's why I put on the weight. And when I turned 60, I ran a 513 mile. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and, then, uh, and then when I was 50, I ran a five-minute mile. And, and my surgeon's John Edwards. Oh, yeah. Edwards son. yeah, yeah. Nice. And so he says, Henry, you got grade three. And he was on the track team with me. Right, I remember John being he, on the He team. said, you got grade three arthritis. No more running. The worst day of my life. He said at 50, he said, no more running. Think how many miles are on hey, those Hey, do you want to know, John gives a lot of people bad news because I almost tore my Achilles and I went in to see John and he looked at my Achilles and they did an MRI and stuff. And he goes, man, like you, he goes, you're very close to blowing this Achilles out. Like some of these strands are, you know, he's like, so I, I need you to do something for me. Could you take out your license? I'm like, okay. I take out my license. He goes, what, what year is on your license? And I said, 1963. He goes, Okay, now I want you to take today's year and I want you to subtract 1963 from that. And I go, okay. And he goes, if it's over 35, I need you to stop playing church basketball. Oh, and church like, basketball. Oh. He's like, church you are going to blow your Achilles out playing church basketball, church basketball. Blaine. You need to stop it. Yeah. I'm like, so I stopped playing basketball because John made me. He's making you stop running. Uh, Aging is not fun. That's why I'm very reflective you know these days. Don't listen to him. But get, they they said, a, I told the doctor. Get a new knee and you can run I on said, it. that's why I asked him. Yeah. He said two days a week. Yeah, Spencer, you have to be a little lighter on it. Spencer wants to know if you've ever hiked uh, Spencer's Butte in Eugene. Ooh, I have not hiked it, but I, I know of it. Okay, all right. That one's that so one's important. We, 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 we ran all over Eugene. So here's the last the last of the big five questions. Uh, by the way, in law school, I did my third year at BYU Law School mm. and with Rex Lee. Rex Lee and I became very close friends. Yeah. He's the one that got me into BYU my third year, uh, 1981. I was number one in the world that year, 81. 81. And when he became Solicitor General, went back to the mall, and he is one of my, my all-time favorites. That's great. Great man. So your favorite BYU moment? Man, you guys are so many memories. A, a favorite. You got to pick out a favorite. You picked out a you picked favorite the best BYU athlete. moment. We asked you the best athlete in history, and like, bam, Danny Ainge. So now you got to come up with a favorite. And moment. I'm still stuck on Indian Mush, so I'm yeah. eager to hear okay, this. Mush blew me away. Favorite BYU moment. And you know what? It doesn't even have to be. In, it can be any BYU moment you've ever had, and it doesn't even have to be in track and field. Uh, I guess when I met my first wife. <laughs> that was the best moment. <laughs> 
Was it in class? No, her father uh, lined us up. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, he was a head of Bookcraft Books, and um, uh, and he he showed me a picture of her. I said, "Well, why don't you line us up?" <laughs> and yeah. she, we both lived in Riviera apartments. Riviera, the Riviera, yeah, the, the legend Riv. of the Riv. The Riv. Yeah, yeah so. that's good. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here and being able to spend so much time with us. I loved it. You guys have the most fun of anybody. Well, it's kind of cool because we're just on with a live stream and, and, and fans from all over the world get a kind of, that's all they get, right? If you're in, if you're in Columbia, there's, you're not getting BYU stuff on the evening news. And well, and, and we, we love that, that we have this brainstorm with, with Jack and um, who, who is our producer and partner and, and DJs over and there, DJ over there that, that we could do something different than was being done out there. And there was this new format with live stream that we could repot, repurpose as a podcast and people go watch and watch it all week long and go back like you did and watch the Danny Ainge review, go all the way back and watch Marie Osmond come on with whatever it is. But you don't get to sit down and just visit with people for 45 minutes or an hour like we get to yeah. and really get to into stories and get to know people. There, there's, we don't, we've done TV our whole lives and a four minute segment on a TV is a long piece. Right, oh, so yeah, it's, yeah. we do we do series of sound bites when we work in television. It's not quite as fulfilling as sitting down and being able to do this. We love it, and we're having a lot of fun with well, it. Well, I feel very selfish being able to talk about myself and things that I've done. Well, that's oh, why you're here. That's, that's, what you're here. that's why but we've got but, you here. But, and, and it's been so long. But it's I admire you guys. It's so much fun watching. I watch Sports Nation every day. Good. I'm usually working out. Yeah. Uh, Did you watch on? it today? Because I was on today. I haven't watched today. Today's a good show. I haven't recorded. We, we, I previewed the offense for this fall. I was watching the World Championships. Yeah, Nixon. Yeah, oh, that's okay. That's Nixon, the World Championships came on at ten thirty. Nixon and I were on today. I previewed the offense. Kalani was on. I watched. I did watch uh, after further review, though. Oh, good. Nice. Yes, yeah. that was a fun show today. I too. watched that one. Yeah. So, but I'll watch Sports Nation. Look, you're on the Ma- you're on the Mount Rushmore of BYU track and field. Absolutely. Well, thank you. That's very kind. And. Of and, and we love how you represent the Y, and, and you've been friends with our dads, and now you're friends That's with true. us. And his, his parents are awesome. They, you know, they would host people at, oh, yeah. at uh, the marriage they, center. They just, they just love being able to interact with everybody. But they're great people. Yeah. They're great people. And your dad, you. I didn't know your dad as well as I, I got to know his parents. Right. But, yeah. but I knew your dad back yeah. there. And, well, bo- and both, of, both of our folks are, are, are part of the fabric of BYU yeah, yeah. over the yeah, years, which we're really, really it's proud of. of. We're really it, proud of. BYU's family. Yeah, and I got is. my oldest granddaughter going to BYU now. Oh my God! You're too young to have a I, granddaughter. She's going BYU. to BYU. That's and she's amazing. Uh, so, that's great. The great Henry Marsh on the Wise Guys. Now you can go to the Wise Guys and watch the Henry Marsh interview. Yeah, it'll be in there. We need to get this show more publicized. I didn't it's even growing. know about it. It's yeah, growing. It's growing like crazy. How do you publicize and, it? And, and we're well. We're working one on of the it. things we want to do is we we want to put a year in the books. And figure out what we're doing. And now we got a great format. We know what we're doing. Ahead of and the we're, Big 12. We're just, we, now we're just going into the Big 12, and we're ready to really promote the heck out of it and really have it grow. Yeah. It's, it's actually grown at a phenomenal rate compared to other podcasts, but, but we're ready to put our foot on the gas pedal. Uh, really you guys do a great job. I admire what so, you do. So thank you, thank you for letting me be part thank of it. Thank you so much, yeah. Henry. And to have a safe drive yeah. back. Yeah. So, and look, 35 years, will you let me come back? Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> Love of course, it, we'll verify some of those stories. It might take us a while. So but uh, drive back, don't yeah. run back, and good luck with the new Well, I'm staying in Salt Lake tonight. Okay. okay, and we'll let you run. Okay, we'll, we'll, thanks we'll so much, guys. That's the great hey, Henry I'm gonna use, Marsh. I'm going to use one of Henry's quotes for our quote of the day. I'm not even going to use the one that we had. I'm going to use Henry's for this. So. All right. Thanks, All right. My pleasure. My pleasure. Good to see you.
It's been a great show with uh, Henry Marsh and with Dennis Pitta and the Cougars getting ready for uh, the season, which is a week from Saturday. And next week, Steve Young's going to be with us and Vice. Again, it's the only way we could follow up Henry Marsh if we bring Steve Young in. Yeah, that's right. And, and, well, he uh, talks about Vi. fast. We were talking about fast attorneys. Henry's probably the fastest distance attorney, although he, he did mention that uh, there was a couple other really good ones. I think he said... I can't remember who he said, but Steve Young's a pretty fast attorney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve ran about a four three forty. So, in a in a sprint, I'd take Steve. In a distance run, I'm oh, going I'll Henry. take Henry all day long. All day so. long. Let's uh, let's roll out of here with a couple of things. On this day, August twenty second, it's actually National Tooth Fairy Day. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you knew that or not. National yeah, I, I, Tooth Fairy Day. I actually Day. did know that because you put that you put that <laughs> in our rundown, and I'm like, wow, that where did he come up with so, that? So let's go old school. In five sixty five. St. Columbia reports seeing a monster in Loch Ness, and thus the the Loch Loch Ness Ness monster. monster. Yes, that was a long time ago. So now we're going to jump from 565, a long time to 1770. And on this day, August 22nd, 1770, British explorer James Cook claims the east coast of Australia for Britain. So that's yeah. why they speak English in that's Australia. That's why it is. That's right. 1865, William Shepard is issued the first U.S. patent for liquid soap. Liquid soap changed the world. That's on, on every counter, everywhere. So, 1902, the Cadillac Motor Company opens for business in, in Detroit, Michigan. On this day in 1902. Yep. Cadillac's all over the place. Also on this day, that same year, Theodore Roosevelt becomes the first U.S. president to ride in a car. So, Cadillac opens and Teddy Roosevelt... Is it a in a car. Coincidence? No, I think not. 1959, Frank Robinson hits three consecutive home runs as the Reds beat the Cardinals 11 to 4. Three consecutive home runs. 1984, Volkswagen produces its last rabbit. I remember the rabbit. The rabbit, the Volkswagen rabbit. The yep. last one produced 1984. In 1994, DNA testing links OJ Simpson to the murders of Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman. And then Simpson was later acquitted. That happened on today, 1994. You remember and that, that became that was, so much part of oh everyone's my, life. Everybody was watching that every day. It was just like a soap opera, only real. So it's crazy. August 22nd birthdays, 1934, General Norman Schwarzkopf was born. In 1939, Carl Yastrzemski of the Red Sox. The great Carl Yastrzemski. 1941, Bill Parcells. Won two Super Bowls as a football coach. With my team, the Giants. The Giants. 1967, Ty Burrell from Modern Family was born. Lives up in Salt Lake, yeah. Salt Lake area. Uh, James Corden, the comedian, born on this day in 1978. Our Wise Guys Inspirational Quote of the Week is brought to you by Henry Marsh. Right. So we we, we were going to do a Bill Parcell, but but Henry's... I, I just love this... Let's do both of his. Because this one's pretty cool. He said, in life, we all have barriers, right? If we look at them as opportunities rather than barriers, we'll have great success in this life, which I thought was, that's an awesome one. But but even, I love this one even more. Doing ordinary things consistently over time produces extraordinary results. That's awesome. The great Henry Marsh. Ordinary things consistently over time gives you extraordinary results. Results. And hey, he we, certainly had extraordinary results in everything that he's done. What a treat to have. What a storyteller, too. And uh, and Dennis was great, too. He revealed his five greatest touchdown catches. Yeah. Of course, of we, knew this, we knew his Super Bowl touchdown was going to be one. But <laughs> the others, two of them were in the Colorado State game. Yeah, who'd have thought the Rams would provide yeah. such 
memorable moments. Yeah. Next week, Steve Young and Vicek Emma. The podcast is up tomorrow. Share it with your friends. Remember, uh, like us on YouTube and Facebook and Twitch and uh, subscribe to ysguys.com. All that's free. We'll continue to grow our show. It's growing at a great pace, and we're just getting started. And, and we're 11 days out. Uh, Spencer's again, 11 days out to kickoff as we, as we are live on this Tuesday. It's just about here. It's I, I can't wait. I could, every day, and it's one day closer, I just get more and more excited. <laughs> and next week's show is game week. You know what I loved here? Like today, when they said, well, we're officially closing fall camp. I was like, it is on. Yeah. Let's go. And the stadium lights are on tonight. Let's and they're go. practicing out there. It's go time. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. And for our crew here, thanks for watching The Wise Guys. Have a great week. We'll keep tabs on all things BYU and come back with a spectacular show again next time. See you next Tuesday. See ya.